Hey guys, brand new podcast. I just want to thank everyone who came out to see me in Tempe and in Liberty Township. Tour dates. Uh, I don't have another date until the 14th of June. I'll be at the Stardome in Birmingham, Alabama, the 14th, 15th, and 16th, followed by Buffalo on the 21st with Nate Bargazzi, Sal Volcano, and Kyle Kinane. We're going to be at Shea's Buffalo Theater. The 22nd, we're in Chicago at the Chicago Theater. All three of us again, four of us again. And finally, last but certainly not least, Detroit. I'm coming home. I'm rocking all my Detroit gear I got I got clothes for every one of these shows. We're at the Fox Theater. Me, Nate, Sal, and Kyle on the 23rd. DVD TBE Comedy Fest. I'm doing a live podcast on the 30th of June in Pittsburgh. I'll be at the DVE Comedy Fest. That show's sold out. And uh, oh, announced this just announced. I will be hosting Rover Fest with Shine Down, Big Boy. Big boy, big boy, my fa- one of my favorite artists ever, big boy from Outcast. Um, it's gonna be a great night. But the, the the Thursday or the Friday and Thursday before that, I'm at Hilarities in Cleveland, the 19th and 20th of July, and then the Houston Improv first week of August. Other big things are happening in August. Yeah. Yeah, that's about all you need to know. Yeah. That's all I'm allowed to say right now. Mm-hmm. Other big things will be happening in August. It's my birthday. That's what I was going to say. Did you get tickets to the Greek theater like I asked? <coughs> to see Dwight? I did. You did? Not. Oh, um, babe, I will. I will. you didn't I will. get tickets for I, Dwight? I, I will. I will. Hey, Dwight, if you're listening to this. He doesn't listen to your podcast. You'd be shocked. He I does got a lot not. of famous followers. Lots of famous. I wonder if Wheeler Walker's going to that concert. I don't know. It's Lucinda Williams and... He lives in Nashville now. Wheeler Walker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Our gardener is Dwight's gardener. Maybe I should ask her gardener. No, he's not. <laughs> I swear to God. No, he's not Dwight's. I swear to God. He said, you like country music, because he heard me listen to country music one day, and I said, yeah. He said, hi, I am garden for this guy. His name is Dwight. And I said, Yoakum? He went, yes, Dwight Yoakum. He lives up the hill. I've been doing his yard for years. I was like, are you kidding me? You're like, wait, what's his address? I know, right? Exact address, I pay please. an extra $100 a week. This podcast is brought to you by Lisa Mattresses. Lisa is an innovative direct-to-customer online mattress brand that is also socially conscious. Driven by the mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody, Lisa donates one mattress to every shelter for every 10 they sell through their 110 program. Over 23,000 mattresses donated so far, and they plant a tree for every order received. Lisa Mattresses was designed to provide support and pressure relief to every body type sleeper for a deep night's sleep. Available online or at Lisa Dream Galleries in Soho, New York City, and Virginia Beach, American-made mattresses ships compressed in a box to your door. Try the mattress in your own home for 100 nights. That's almost four months. Risk-free with free shipping, as always. You can now try them before you buy at 80 West Elm stores nationwide. Lisa's patented universal adapted feel is designed for all types of sleepers and features three premium foam layers. The 2-inch Avena foam top layer for cooling and breathability. The 2-inch memory foam middle layer for body contouring and pressure relief. And the 6-inch 
We all know what six inches looks like, right, Leanne? Sure enough. Why would I just say that my dick's six inches? Anyway, (laughs) six-inch dense core support foam for durability and structure for sleepers of all sizes. 11,000 five-star reviews. Lisa Mattresses is loved by over 300,000 happy sleepers and counting. Available in the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and Germany. Lisa is continuing to expand its offerings to include the Lisa Pillow, the Lisa Blanket, the Lisa Sheets, the Lisa Foundation and Frame. All available online with free shipping. Go to lisa.com slash birdcast for $125 off the Lisa mattress. That's the deepest discount they've ever offered. That's lisa.com slash birdcast for $125 off the Lisa mattress. Georgia sleeps one on one, and it is the most comfortable room in our house. Because you took a nap in there last week, didn't you? And I slept like a goddamn god. Like a goddamn god. And I will eat like a king tonight. Yeah. Because this podcast is also brought to you by Blue Apron. Yeah. What are you cooking right now, Leanne? Tonight I am cooking a chicken pesto pizza with broccoli. It looks totes amaze. Their pizzas are fucking ridiculous. Their pizzas and their burgers are out of this world. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Their mission, to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. And they achieve this by supporting more sustainable food systems, setting the highest standard for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. They offer three plans. The two-person meal plan that serves two people choosing eight new recipes per week with the choice to receive either two or three recipes any week. And the family meal plan meal ser- serves four people choosing four new recipes per week with the choice to receive either two, three, or four recipes any week. And the wine plan, six bottles of wine from renowned film winemakers delivered monthly. Uh, uh, look, it is super convenient. It, they have high quality foods. They send only non-GMO ingredients and meats with no added hormones. It's flexible. They have 12 new recipes each fucking week. We love Blue Apron. I don't need to tell you that ad nauseum. I do that all the time. We love Blue Apron. They change the way our family eats dinner together. They change the way our family interacts because we all have dinner together every night I'm home. And it really has changed the palate of our daughters. Our daughters were thumb tongues, hardcore. Yep. And now they try stuff because they say, well, if Blue Apron put it on the menu, it's got to be good. And it's got to be good because Blue Apron picks all their menus from renowned chefs from around the world. Aren't they doing this uh, Airbnb thing right now? Yes, they are. They send you recipes. One recipe a week is from a, a, a foreign country, somewhere you'd maybe like to visit and eat from. Sample their cuisine. Is that what they're doing right now? I it has it. been what they're doing. It I'll see it in the thing. It's not in the copy. Maybe it's done. And you it know, I don't. Month. I don't know that these recipes they don't have the passport stamp on them. So maybe it's a new month. I don't okay. Know. But it, nevertheless, it was really great. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna ear beat you with how much I love this uh, brand. You guys know I love Blue Apron. And if you haven't yet. Do it now. Try it now. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com slash BurtCast. That's blueapron.com slash BurtCast. First three meals for free at blueapron.com slash BurtCast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. You got to try it. Um, I'm super excited about today's podcast. We just recorded it. It is... uh, Man, I've been hitting it out of the park with podcasts. We are so fucking backloaded right now. Can you go through who we have podcasts for, Halston? We got Rob Riggle, David Kechner, 
Nate Bargatze, Kyle Kinane, Brendan Schaub. Oh, I did one with, uh, shit, I did some on the road. Who did I do on the road? Dan Cummins we released. I've got two I did on my own. Oh, I did one with Zach Bitter. And I have another one that I did. It's, uh, it's, we got You can retire. I really honestly should take a break from podcasting for a couple weeks and enjoy my family. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It's crazy because all the good ones are coming out and and they're all time sensitive, mostly. Um, The one I'm releasing today, you know who it is. By the way, I've been a fan of this guy's forever. I almost took jujitsu classes from him. Me and Joey were going to go take jujitsu classes from him. Mm-hmm. We both wanted to get into jujitsu, and then Joey ended up doing it. And now Joey's like a fucking blue belt or a purple belt—not purple belt, probably—but like Joey's like does jujitsu all the time, and he looks amazing. He's lost a ton of fucking weight. That's great. And I talked to him at the end about possibly getting into jujitsu and and taking classes over at his Burbank class. But um, I'm a fan of both of these guys. I've, Sam was the first person. The, today's guests are Sam Tripoli and, uh, and Eddie Bravo. Sam was the first person in comedy that came up to me and said, I think you're really funny. Me and my buddy love your joke about this. And there was no ego to it. It was just authentic friendship. And he, I've been his friend ever since that day. That was on the Santa Monica Pier. We filmed uh, funny, funny, funny Makers or something for National Lampoon. Hmm. And uh, I've been I and I've and I've followed that mantra my whole life is the way Tripoli was to me. I, I've tried to be to other people. When I find someone funny, I just go up to him. I say, I think you're really funny. And I try to be their friend. And Sam did that to me. And we've been friends ever since. I'm doing his show tonight. I'm going over to the comedy store to do comedy chaos. Are you? And it's one of the. Yeah, I am. Why are you mad? No, I'm not mad. But it would be nice for you to stay home a little bit. I'm, baby, it's what I do for a living. I know it's what I you do for a living. I don't get to pick this. You, I, it's, you did pick, though, having children. Just saying. I'm not doing spots Wednesday, Thursday. I'm going with you Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I will not, not do spots at all next week or the week after that. Okay. But it's it's hard because I'm in the spot where I have to write new material. And trust me when I say, when I go on stage and I've only got... 32 minutes of material that I really, really, really believe in. And the rest of the stuff is kind of, you know, flim flammy. I feel it. And when you go to the store, you can find a bit sometimes and you're like, oh shit, I just found something really great. Awesome. There's a beauty of doing spots in the city. So tonight I'll get to do two spots back to back and I can rework things quicker than I would do an hour to hour. But awesome. the other guy, obviously I've known of for probably... 10 years. I, I, I've, you know, I've been a fan of, of Joe's for a long time before I even knew him. And, uh, and this is one of his best friends and I've, I've watched him fight. I've watched him, uh, on podcasts. I've watched his conspiracy theories. I've, I've hung out with him. I met him and I, he's one of the coolest, most down to earth, just fucking wildest, fucking most eccentric, amazing guys out there. And uh, it was an honest pleasure to have them on my podcast. They're here promoting a tour they're doing called the Tinfoil Hat Comedy Show. They are at the Belly Room this Friday. That show's sold out. Then June 1st, they're at Cobb's Comedy Club. And June 2nd, they're in uh, Punchline, Sacramento. Um, So San Francisco, Sacramento, respectively, June 1st and 2nd. Go see them. Ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast, Sam Tripoli and Eddie Bravo.
Yeah, it was it was rolling riding roller coasters gets uh at first you're like, Oh, this is pretty cool, you know? I got a whole theme park to myself. Oh, uh, so when when they filmed you riding a roller coaster, it's when the park was closed? Mostly, yeah. And sometimes it'd be open. Dude, it'd be way better if it was if it was open, right? Uh, no, yeah, yeah, but it, here's the problem. I got stuck in a few roller coasters. And that really fucked my head up. Stuck how? Like stuck like there's one You can't get out of the seat? Can't get out of the seat for like forty five minutes. How did that happen? I've, I had one where where you stand you're standing and the cage comes down and under your junk. Here he is, perfect. Come on in, Sam. And uh and it uh we're just talking about roller coasters. We thought you weren't gonna show. And so it takes you parallel so you're like flying. Yeah. And it came into the thing and uh it just didn't what's up buddy it it was locked in like that and i was sitting facing the ground parallel here hop over there and slide that over there parallel to the ground facing down for 45 minutes in a harness that was like a fucking straight jacket what are, what are the odds that they close the park they film a fucking show about roller coasters and you get stuck a lot you'd be what shocked is, it happened I, a lot what you'd get getting stuck in a roller coaster is not and then I started getting panic about getting stuck. Thing? Yeah, I would be freaking out. <laughs> they closed the park. It just so happens they put the cameras they on. They closed the That's park. That's like the worst yeah. Yeah, luck mostly. ever. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It just didn't melt function. They're like, six o'clock, turn off the power. Oh, Bert's still up there? No, 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 no. It mal- malfunctioned. It mal- yeah, no, it malfunctioned. What are the odds though, right? Oh, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure those it happens. things. They had one. What was the best roller coaster? Uh, like the scariest one? X2 from Magic Mountain? No, I didn't enjoy X2 entirely. Wow. I would say Magic out. Mountain, my favorite one in Magic Mountain, without a doubt, was Superman. Really? Yeah, Just because we used to, well, I had I had ac- full access to that park, so I could get on any ride when I wanted. You we shot there the for a whole summer. You were VIP? Yeah. You didn't have to fake a back injury? No, I just would <laughs> literally walk up to the front, and they'd be like, what's up, Bert? And I'd just get on. Because they knew you as the roller coaster guy. Yeah, well, that, and I was shooting, I shot 13 episodes of a show there called Scream If You Know The Answer. At Magic Mountain? Yes, yeah. So Sorry. they all knew you? Oh, yeah. Oh, you could yeah. just walk right in? Oh, 100%. The security in the front? Oh, everyone. You were I, Norm? But by the way, I was also the guy who did roller coasters. So like, if I went to any theme park, anyone that worked at a theme park knew my show. What? And they'd geek out. They'd be like, oh my God. Oh my God, can I ride a ride with you, bro? Dude, you're like the Hickson of you were like the uh, Yeah, I was definitely. You were like Jared from Subway before the diddling? Dude, I, I, this is how much I... I had owners of parks who never, who seldomly came to their parks come out to meet me and ask me about rides and be like, I've got it. I've got like $5 million. Here's what I'm thinking about buying. You've ridden them all. What's your opinion? Whoa. Because I, I was very seldomly do you get someone who goes in, sits with experts, rides the, I rode, whatever road came, ride came out, I rode it first. What's the, the best f- one? The best one. That's right a now. pretty good life. I can't Where do I need to go? Where do I need to take the kids? Oh, no questions asked. Uh, Sandusky, Ohio. Sandusky, Ohio. Yeah, Cedar Point. Cedar Point. Cedar Point's got Cedar Point's got the best, um, the best ride across the board. Anyone will ever say is uh, Millennium Force. It's just Money and Force. Millennium Force. It is 
an insane it's like a 320 foot drop at like a really inverted angle it's just a lap bar so you really and you get flying on that ride it is one of the greatest is rides it by ever. cleveland yeah 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 over by up it's the, close to cleveland yeah real because i'm going to my first cleveland browns game uh my wife got me a tickets to ravens versus cleveland in Cle- uh in cleveland in october shit i might go check it out oh we're gonna, we're gonna be there all weekend have, it's so much that park how did you become got, a browns fan again um, I had an older brother he's about four years older than me and he loved to humiliate me uh, growing up was, you know classic sibling rivalry make me cry in front of my friends and um, <clears throat> he had a baseball card collection I was jealous he had a big one I didn't have shit so I don't know if you remember uh, when the Cleveland Indians were you know they made a movie about the Cleveland Indians how bad they were and they were always 35 games behind first place. They were yeah. always... Major League? Yeah. 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 One of the best movies ever. So, yeah. So Baseball they, movies. So yeah. my brother said, <laughs> I'll give you a card. So he gave me Dennis Eckersley's rookie card on the Cleveland Indians and instantly I was like, the Indians rule. You know, I had one card. So uh, back then, this was 1978, 79. Back then, the only access, I mean, you, you, have, you could watch TV and get the scores, you know, the news. Yeah. And my mom was always watching her Spanish uh, soap operas. So I had to, in the morning, I would, I would, I'd go to the white people's neighborhood and steal newspapers because Mexican neighborhoods, we didn't have newspapers on our front yards. You had to go to the white people neighborhood. I would alternate and I'd, I'd so like the anti- I would follow the board? Indians just based on the sports page. I'd get right to, the, there was like, For real? you know, like three lines on the Cleveland Indians. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted to know who got the most hits and uh, what pitcher pitched and how many strikeouts he had. And, you know, I just got obsessed with the Cleveland Indians. And back then I was a Brown, uh, a Steelers fan because, you know, they were just, they were winning Super Bowls. Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris, Lynn Swan. Everybody liked the Steelers. So I was a Steeler fan for football, but baseball, I was a Cleveland Indians fan. And then in 1980, the Browns beat the Steelers after they won the Super Bowl. They beat the Rams. And then that next year, they, the, the, the Browns beat them, and I thought, yeah, I'm a 10-year-old kid, and I thought, wait a minute, they're from that same city that the Indians are from, and they just beat my Steelers. I love the Browns now. <laughs> and I became hardcore. I was a hardcore Browns fan from the, I don't know if you, you follow football at all. Yeah. The old school, early 80s, was Brian Seip, quarterback, Dave yeah. Logan, that a tall white guy. Yeah. You know, if you have a tall white guy playing receiver, you know he, not, he doesn't drop any balls. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't be white and play wide receiver and drop any balls. If they're going to let you play wide receiver, you better fucking catch every you notice wide receivers yeah. they have yeah. one fingered catches they never drop shit and yeah. when they drop she's like ooh we might have to bench this motherfucker yeah. you know what I mean but black guys could drop balls all the time because they, you know they're gonna make up for it they might <laughs> drop an easy touchdown but you know they're gonna do some crazy shit yeah. they're gonna make math. up for it what was that a little race math hey you know look at all the white wide receivers in, in the NFL they all have outstanding hands unbelievable they never drop any ball they run the best routes because if they didn't they're like dude you know you better be uh, you better be fuck your routes better be perfect yep is it interesting you see no like no like uh not a big plethora of like chinese wide receivers there's no mexicans in football i think there's a half mexican there there might be two i think uh uh uh, anthony munoz played uh oh uh, he played played offensive line the bengals the the bengals yeah 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 oh so you guys know football okay yeah yeah yeah. anthony munoz tony gonzalez but i think he's puerto rican you if you're puerto rican that's not really mexican so (laughs) that's definitely not really mexican So the Mexicans, I mean, if you, we play soccer yeah, and we got heart and boxing. 
Yeah, that's boxing's your thing. That's basically it. There's sure. no basketball for Mexicans. You know, when I, I played football when I was uh, nine for uh, like those peewee teams. Yeah. And back then, you know, at nine, all the kids are the same height. Dude, I was playing middle linebacker and defensive end. I was, dude, I really thought that I was going to play for, professional football yeah you know what I mean I didn't know that I was gonna stop growing but I was con- I was so convinced that when the USFL came out remember that other league of course. people were like what do you feel about the USFL I'm like I don't give a shit whoever pays me the most money I'll just I'll play for them <laughs> like I didn't care I'll play USFL Herschel Walker's doing USFL fuck it why not I love you, know you kept I was- your options open and then sixth grade comes along see that peewee football is, is a tackle football right yeah. so sixth grade comes along and it's from sixth seventh and eighth middle school it's flag football right so it's all about speed so that's when people start getting that's when mexicans start separating from whites and blacks uh, <laughs> at sixth grade i was talking so much shit that i was going to be a professional football player um uh like that in sixth grade i got cut yeah i didn't make the team and I couldn't, so I blamed it on, you know, pussy ass speed. I go, when you put the fucking, wait till ninth grade, when we put the helmets back on, we'll see what's up. I play tackle football, punk. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was all, I was, I was making up excuses why I, I, I'm going to make it in the NFL yet. I can't even make the sixth grade flag football team. <laughs> so then in seventh grade, you know, that sixth grade first year of junior high was a fucking nightmare. Uh, people wanted to kick my ass because I was, I was Mexican, but I was acting white. I was into metal and shit. And you're supposed to dress like a cholo at school. You can't, you got to claim a gang. You can't just be, you, you Mexican man. Why are you trying to be white? I'm like, Oh shit. I got to get out of this school. People want to kick my ass. So I transferred myself to a white school clear across the town. So I, be, I became like just a, <clears throat> a loner instantly. And nobody knew me at this school, but at least they weren't, uh, at least I didn't have to act like a gangbanger, Right. So then I tried out for that football team, got cut again, still flat football got cut again but none of my uh, my friends from the neighborhood went to that school so I told them I made the team but they kicked I made the team as a second string quarterback I didn't want to get too greedy uh-huh. yeah, yeah. but they kicked me off the team because I got in a fight <laughs> so they kicked me off right they kicked me out. so meanwhile I'm like okay I got through seventh grade I'm like I'm just waiting for ninth grade just ninth fucking so grade so I could show them what's up yeah. fuck this flag football pussy ass shit yeah so eighth grade comes along I fucking didn't make the team again dude I was like fuck it one more year so ninth grade comes along I'm in high school here in high school they don't cut you everybody makes the team so I didn't get cut so they didn't know where to put me I'm so they, I was so, so the only thing I could play was wide receivers cause I, I was slow as hell slowest guy on the team girls were faster than me slow as fuck <laughs> but I had good hands man yeah. so I'm slow slowest guy on the whole team so I was a second string wide receiver and they never played me second string behind Royal Wilbon this black guy who could have played in the pros <laughs> Royal Wilbon in ninth grade Royal yeah. Wilbon Great he played that's a name that comes with an illegitimate child yeah for sure that oh, is an illegitimate I mean, child no joke this is no joke Santa Ana High 1984 the, our freshman football team this is no exaggeration that was probably the best freshman high school football team that's ever existed. No joke. Yeah. We had just dudes fully developed in freshman 
They would. They could have played varsity, but they just the, the next year they all played varsity and they all yeah. went to the, like the state finals and shit. But that year we had them all. Every game was fifty-five nothing, sixty-four nothing. Everything was a complete smash. We had these two running backs first part of the season: Hector Valencia, this fast Mexican, and um, Donovan Mauga was half Samoan, half white. No, they were they were. It was it was like a like men playing with boys. But then mid-season. It even got worse. Robert E. Lee, this big black guy from Santa Ana Valley, His name was, was getting Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee. They were, he was that getting. Is, we heard he was getting transferred middle of the football season. This guy's a dude. This guy was like fucking like Earl Campbell. Yeah, the, dude, he's huge. We heard about him. So he comes on board. Hector Valencia and Donovan Mauga, the stars. They're no stars no more. They just give the ball to Robert E. Lee. Nobody could tackle him. He was just running over everybody, and they never. They never. I played once. They get uh, this. This is the story. They let me. They let me go in. It was like fifty to nothing. They let me go in to run one pass, and then we're going to throw the pass to me. The other second string wide receiver, he he intentionally had a false start to fuck up my play. Then they took me. I'm like motherfucker because I caught like a three yard pass. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm like fuck, but it came back. They called it back because I know what he was doing. He was jealous. So the last game of the season, it's fifty to nothing. The halftime, it's Santa Ana Valley. We just crushing them so at halftime it was since it was the last game the coaches said hey listen we're gonna let the we're gonna let the the the, the bench warmers play the whole second half and we're like oh my god now i'm gonna <laughs> finally get to show these motherfuckers yeah. what's up because i'm slow but i got moves man i could juke a motherfucker yeah, yeah but all you gotta do is just turn around and, and chase me down and you'll catch me yeah i'll always make you miss but you can catch me if you don't give up there's no way i'm outrunning anybody anytime i got behind uh, in fr- uh, behind people i'm like one of the I, I was just waiting for that hand just to grab me by the the back of the neck and drag me down. But first play of the second half, we kick off to them. I'm on the kicking team. We're all running like, fuck yeah, running full clip. Like I've never ran full clip on the football field during the game. The guy catches the ball. First guy that gets to him wraps up his ankles and then the second guy spears him on top and he falls back and his arm pops off. Oh so he, my his God. His arm was dislocated so he's laying on the field so they called the ambulance and by the time the ambulance came and carted him off the sun went down and they forfeited the game. Oh my God. That was it. That was it. That's when I knew, you know what? Football is not for Mexicans, man. It's just... It's a, that. Then I went full blown music. I go, you know what? I'll be a rock star. You don't have to. You don't have to run fast to be a rock star. The only Mexican I know in football is Mark Sanchez. Is he really Mexican? I mean, I mean Sanchez. That, I mean, that, that is pretty beautiful. Mean, I did the good that morning, might be a stepdad's last name. You did? Yeah, we did Good Morning America, and he was his hands were massive, and he was beautiful. That's and a good like, looking dude. Yeah, me, him, and uh, Mark Sanchez, and uh, I hope he's Mexican. That bald. I think he is. Chef, uh, the guy from Cleveland. I forget his name. The bald chef? Yeah, m- uh, Mark. Uh, fuck it. I watch so much Food Network and DIY. Oh, my mom made me walk it, watch it over like, and over like and over again. You like Food Network? I like Food Network and I like DIY Network. You like to kick, cook? I love cooking. Yeah, I have a cookie You show. love it? Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, but it's on all things comedy. I'll send you a link. You but guys, it's doing I'd love really for, well. I'd love, yeah, it's doing really it's well. Killing it. Yeah, I'd love for you guys to do it. It's fucking Damn, fun as shit. I can't. I I I can barely cook macaroni and cheese, and I have to go through the instructions. Again. Me too. It's called something's burning. I'm always missing something. I'm yeah. like, where's the salt? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm terrible. I'm, dude. I'm a my, the part of the brain that regulates cooking. That shit ain't getting any blood. It's black. I cannot. <laughs> 
not cook. Man. Really? No, no, no. I eat, I eat out every day. For real? Every day. Wait, so do you eat healthy? Your old lady cooks though, right? She's a great cook. Yeah, but I'm always on the run. You know what I mean? So what did you eat today? Just had um, a Chipotle burrito. Ah. From... El Pollo Loco, though, but it's their Chipotle burrito. So oh, 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 it's not. It was from, a drive-in. Yeah, I was yeah. in. A, I was in a hurry. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm, I was hungry. I hadn't eaten all day. I go fuck. Let me hit a drive drive through. Was thinking, contemplating Carl's Jr. Then I go oh, fuck I that. I love Carl's Jr. Yeah, I was cont- I was like, should I just do Carl's Jr.? But I thought that food is so disgusting that it's going to affect the podcast. And I thought, you know what? Let's go a step above is El Pollo. It's zone, dude. It's the podcast zone. Yeah, it's still a step above is El Pollo, but, and then Chipotle is above that. Yeah. And then, uh, then you got a... Baja Fresh. Yes. Baja Fresh is sure. one of the best burritos. Hold on, but Chipotle's not above Baja Fresh? No. I think so. I think no. Chipotle, dude, they got no GMO shit. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's all no GMO. I do the I do the uh, burrito bowl when I go to Chipotle. No, no steroids in their cows. Oh, they treat the cows right. You I, know I, I like. Mean? I got to be honest with you. If I'm going to go Mexican happy. food and it's fast food, easily Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell. I think you love the idea of Taco Bell. <laughs> Right, <laughs> Wait, but yeah, why? You, Tell do, me why. Well, think about how you feel after you talk. You never feel good about yourself, right? No, I you always feel, feel like good. fucked up. Yeah, like why did you do it, right? So, yeah. it. I don't know. I don't know. It's Taco like Bell's, uh, it's like going to the champagne. Options, Taco Bell's like going to the champagne about. room. It seems yeah. like a great idea. You know what? You know the only time I feel good about Taco Bell is if I drank a lot and I know. I need to get food in my system before yeah. I go to bed so I don't have a hangover. Then Taco Bell's like medicine. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Wait, how old were you when you first smoked weed? I smoke. I didn't start smoking weed regularly until I was 28. And before That's that- a great age. Yeah, and before that, I was against it. I would smoke weed like once a year my whole life and it was always a horrible experience. Yeah. Just horrible. And I- Like panic? I- Panic, freaking out. Yeah, that it was, was always my, that horrible. Was my whole childhood. Yeah, I hated weed. I the the bands I was in, there was always at least one or two guys that smoked weed. Anytime they'd fuck up a song, I'd yell at them. Really? Oh, dude, you see, you've been fucking smoking weed. Can't even remember the second chorus. You know, I'd be, I was a dick about about weed. I just thought I'm I remember like, when Rogan was like that. With weed. Yeah, he was yeah. very anti. I was, I was, I wasn't one of those dudes that said I don't smoke weed, but I have nothing against it. And I was, I was against it. Really? I thought it fucking melted your brain thought it gave you cancer thought it fucking it was just the worst thing ever and it always i always had a horrible experience with it um <clears throat> i had to when i was in high school that we every high school on the west coast at least i don't know how it is i think it's different on the east coast but we have a stoner section you guys familiar with stoner sections yeah, yeah. it was just all the long-haired dirty scumbag dudes during lunch they all just congregated and and like you know in the, in the corner of the football field or something and because I had long hair in high school, I had to hang out with them. I was, I was already considered a loser. If you're going to grow out your hair in the, in the mid-80s, early 80s, you, just, you basically just cast yourself into the stoner. Yeah. Nobody, none of the high-level girls want to talk to you or anything like that. So, but even though I didn't smoke weed, if you looked carefully, you can see that I was on the outskirts. Like I wasn't really going in there. Yeah. It looked like I was part of that. But look, I'm always in, on the outskirts. I'm never going in. We had one friend that would go in. He was, you know, he'd get high, and he, but... I didn't want to, I didn't even, I didn't even know those guys' names. I just like, just hung out with them just because the white people, um, they didn't like me. And then, uh, um, then one time they invited me into the fucking, during lunch and I took a hit of a fucking joint. 
you know, and I, my head blew up and I had history class, US history right afterwards, right after lunch and I'm fucking lit. I'm like, how the fuck am I gonna get through the rest of school? Is this the first time it you was, smoked weed? No, it wasn't the first time. It wasn't the first, it was like, the, here, why did I do it? Here we go again. So I go into history class and I just thought to myself, I'm just gonna look down and just no one's gonna notice me I'm just gonna get through this shit I'm gonna get through it and then I thought I didn't say a word to anybody didn't look at anybody or anything but people kept looking back and going oh shit and then some girl said oh fuck she gave me her mirror she goes look at your eyes and I looked at my eyes and I'm like oh it scared the shit out of me my eyes were so blown up I just stood up walked out of the class went right to the bathroom the teachers are like everyone's like where the fuck is he going so the teacher calls the campus cop and I'm sitting down in the bathroom just sitting down I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do I just walked out of class so the the campus cop opens up the door never forget him big thick mustache he opens the door just holds it open like that and immediately I start crying I always cry to get out of trouble I'm really good at that I'm really I get pulled over by the cops and when I was 17 and I was drunk and um started crying and it didn't work but here I, I as soon as he opens the door I start crying and pretending I'm sick like I ate something like oh my stomach he goes what's wrong get up I'm like oh, I feel like I'm gonna throw up so I'm like acting like I, I'm, I have food poisoning you are hilarious so they, he picks me up drags me to the the principal's office uh, Mr. Rankin had a toupee never forget him <laughs> and uh, he, he said what he drags he drags me in and the campus cop he knows that I was hanging out with the stone. He knows I was probably stoned. Yeah. And the principal did too. So they just sent me home. They go, just just go home. So I just walked home, stoned as fuck. It was the longest walk ever. And I just went right to bed. And I'll never forget looking at my VCR, the, the clock on my VCR, just laying in bed, just watching the minutes tick away, just waiting for oh. this weed to get out of my system. Wow. There's no I'm worse like, feeling. Oh, just leave. I hate this feeling. I hated it. Dude, I had two of those experiences in high school. And it scared me away from weed until probably like my my first senior year in college. Like that's when the, I started smoking again. But I I got real careful. Like I went in like 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 a little baby hit. Yeah. And then be like, okay, all right, I and I can have a beer with it. But then I. That's why nobody gets high the first time because nobody makes them really hit it. So they're always like, boop boop, I'm done. Like okay, you'd be like, yeah. are you high? They're like, nah, not really. Yeah, it's, it was. I didn't start liking it until I was 28, and it took me. Uh, <clears throat> I fell in love. I was a strip club DJ, and <clears throat> this girl, her her stage name was Darian. That's, that wasn't her Darian. Real name. Darian. That was her, her stage name, and and I worked at the right, by, right by LAX. Have you ever heard of Bear Elegance? I think yeah, I think so. It's right by LAX. Yeah. That owner, the owner of that club. They they own two other clubs, the Jet Strip, which is in the same area too. There's the Jet Strip, which which, which is where they put uh, the super dirty gangster girls. Yeah, and then the Bear Elegance was the <laughs> was the higher class one. They're not as dirty as the ones at the Strip. Like, I like you want the, I like you want crazy lap dances. I like the hood rats. You want you want crazy lap dances? Go to the Jet. You know yeah, what I mean? You want higher quality head. girls? You yeah. go to the bear. So I, I DJed at the bear. I like chicks with prison tattoos. Cholita tattooed on her stomach. Uh, right? Her. So, there the was a, so there was a... Stretch marks? There was a girl from the Jet Strip, the Dirty Club, that we heard about that was uh, from from Kentucky, 23 years old. And she, you know people were saying she's just like the most beautiful girl that's at, like she was too uh, too high level for the jet they need to send her to the bear but she stayed at, at the jet for a while until she uh she uh, her best friend at the time was dating uh, was going out with living with the dj 
but then Darian fucks the DJ. I think they had a threesome, but then yeah. Darian and the DJ ended up doing shit on their own. It was like a mess. Yeah. So the the owner didn't want to fire her, so they, they they told her we're gonna send you to the bear. So we heard, oh shit, Darian's coming to the bear. Oh shit. So when she shows up to the club, she you know she uh, what she could have went to college on a soccer scholarship. Her brother was a soccer star. Her she comes from a family of soccer players, so her legs and her body was just like. Perfect. It was, oh. and everybody would fall out when they would see her on stage. I'd go, oh shit! I'll never forget a some black lesbian chick came in, and she she was on the stage. And when when Darian came out, she turned around and looked at me, and then she goes, "Her body on point." <laughs> <laughs> it was. I'll never forget that. There's certain things you'll never forget. A black chick said, "That white girl got body." Damn. <laughs> so I fell in love with her, and we were just like I. I at that point, at that point, that was the best I've ever done uh, in, in relationships as far as looks go. I'm like, that was, she just, you know, she topped. Yeah. She was tops. And then. Accent, so, accent. Yeah, a little bit, a little country accent. Oh. And then she, um, um, I, I wondered, uh, people, then people from the jet, I know a dude, he goes, dude, I hear you're going out with Psycho. And I said, do you better watch your fucking mouth, man. <laughs> <laughs> my girl Psycho. You know what I mean? He goes, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, you'll find out. You know what I mean? Yeah. The problems that she caused at the jet, I just didn't want to know about it. Of I course. Just did, I yeah. heard some crazy shit happen, but I didn't want to know about it. I was so in love. Yeah. And right in the beginning, <clears throat> I, um, me and my buddy, we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend yet. We were just seeing each other. I was, I was like anti-girlfriend at that time. And <clears throat> uh, me and my buddy, we did some MDMA and went to a club, you know, Club Lingerie on, uh, on Sunset. No. I do know of it. Yeah, I've never been there. Anyways, we were. It was. It was a club. It was. 19, are they still open? 19, I think half of them closed. They may have changed the name or whatever. But it's strip 19, bars are dying. No, it wasn't a strip bar. Club lingerie was uh, like a regular club. It was, was called it Club Lingerie. Pancake House. It was on Sunset. It was. What like, year is this? Ninety eight. Okay. Ninety eight. So me and my buddy had done some MDMA, and we're at the club lit. So I'm like calling her up, and she's at the strip club work, and I go, "Get off work. See if you can get off, and then come meet me at the club." She comes, and I'll never forget she, her walking into the club, and she had white contacts on. She she liked to just scare. She was like this this girl with she white, liked attention. White she, exactly. Club. She liked attention. She was a stripper. Yes. She yes. Was a, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Named Darren. So she shows up and I, and we're sitting on the couch with my, my buddy Scott and I see her walk in and she's walking through the dance floor looking, looking for me like blade and shit. You know what I mean? She's just walking through <laughs> ready to kill a fucking vampire. You know what I mean? And then, um, she was looking for some MDMA. Couldn't find it. Uh, so we went back to my house and the, it, it the E wore off. Right. So then she pulled out a joint. She goes, well, we can at least get high. I'm like, I am not smoking any weed right now. I'm having too much of a good time. I don't want to fuck this up. <laughs> she goes, please smoke it with me. I'm like, uh-uh, no way. And then she begs, she goes, come on, please. And I go, fuck, it's going to fuck up the night. So we both, we both took a couple hits of that joint and we laughed like mental patients all fucking night over nothing. You had like, we had the, the, the real giggles where you're not laughing. You're laughing just by looking at someone, you just start yeah. laughing. I'll never forget her laying down. She's laying like this, has a pillow over her face, laying down laughing, she's laying down. And then she takes the pillow off her face and then sits up and then looks at me and goes, ah! Covers her pillow <laughs> and then lays down again. And then she gets up and goes like this, ah! <laughs> over and over it was just like and then the next morning I couldn't believe I had a the, you know then we, we ordered Damiano's you remember late night remember Damiano's, Damiano's. Oh, yeah, yeah. late night fucking cheesecake late night pizza four in the yeah. morning you get pizza delivered to you so we, we did that and then the next morning I, I couldn't understand why 
I had such a great time. Hi, that never happened before. So I thought, okay, maybe, maybe it was the MDMA. Maybe it was that. Yeah. So then I, we decided we, to get high again the next night. And then boom, again, we laughed like mental patients. And then the next night, again, we laughed like, we were just having the greatest time, just getting super fat. And just every night, just after the club, we would just smoke weed. We'd only do it after the club, late at night. Yeah. And I wouldn't even think of driving back then. When I heard people, people were drive stone, like, how do you drive oh, I stone? I could never imagine. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I still don't know how the people do that. Oh, you, you, oh, you, you don't drive, drive no more? Oh, I've, never, I've never driven high. Oh, I've driven high one time, and I just had a great time driving, <laughs> I just, but I wasn't good at it. <laughs> I was listening to Jane's Addiction, uh, the Triple X album. You know the one they recorded in live in Hollywood? Okay. Rock I don't, and roll? I, I don't know that. I wasn't. Uh, I know Jane's Addiction, yeah. but I, I, I'm not familiar with any other releases. Oh, my God. I know uh, the songs. The ben Costanen. No, this one was. Uh, was it was just. It was just the perfect song. It's like a Lou Reed cover, and it was. Ju- I was fucking. I had just gotten high. And my wife's like, "Hey, can you run over and get the girls' goggles at the house?" And I couldn't <laughs> tell her I'd gotten high. <laughs> and I was like, "Sure." Why your and, wife doesn't? You can't get high around. No, your I can. Wife? I can, but it just looked irresponsible because it was yeah, like noon. Yeah. When you have and, kids, yeah, you don't want you don't want to mix that. You don't want to even argue with your wife. Like I could be stoned and drive. Yeah, like, you don't want that. Like, so, I, I cannot be I stoned that. and drive my that. son. That'll oh, never happen. No, I could never. never you, I could never be inebriated at all and drive my. I can. Like I'm allowed to smoke pot if like a bunch of people are around. Yeah, you know you can get if you want to get high, but you just it's got to be towards the end of the night. You can't do it when everyone gets here. But uh, and I had just done it. It was like noon, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll go get them. I'll walk." She goes, "Oh, don't walk. They want to get in the pool now. Just drive the car." And so I got in the car, and that was on the. And I was just, I was like, "Oh!" And I was like, "The sun looked perfect." Last night was the first time I got high, in a very long time, where I was like, "Wow, time is taking forever." Like I got way too. I took just one, too big, too many hits. Yeah. And I was, but on my car ride home over the hills, I was lost. I didn't know where I was. Oh, I was man. in the back of I was in the back of a Uber, and it was a really, really comfortable uh, five series or five class Mercedes, like the big bodied one. It was real or C class or S class. And he's Ubering in it, dude. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm in the best mood, and it's so cushiony. And my my sweatshirt neck thing held my head perfectly. And he was and he was listening to uh, Russian music, but it was Russian chanting music. And I speak a little Russian, and so I was catching words here and there oh it was fucking the greatest ride home I was so happy <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to that ride home tonight I might see if I can say Uber <laughs> <laughs> the first time I drove from the store yeah the first time I drove stoned, it was six months into uh, enjoying weed I'm 28 but I wouldn't even imagine driving I just didn't think I could and then it was like 10.45 one day and Blockbuster on Sunset closes at 11 and I had like six movies or something I'm like shit I forgot to turn these in. If I wait till tomorrow, that's another 24 bucks. That's but so I was funny. stoned and I'm like, shit, can I make it? It's not even that far. Like Santa Monica and Fairfax to um, that, you know, right next to where that Kentucky Fried Chicken used to be, where the Blockbuster right. used yeah. to be. Yeah. And man, cr- I had to cross Fountain. And when you cross in Fountain on a street that doesn't have a light, it's dangerous. Oh, man. fuck yeah. And when you're stoned, I just stayed right. I was like on Curson and Fountain going, oh my God, how am I going to make it? <laughs> and my video stacked. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And I pulled it off. It was scary. And I pulled it off and I was fascinated with the fact that I pulled it off like I didn't die. I go, how did I go to Blockbuster and not die? That is yeah. so funny. And now it's like, it's just like the Matrix. I, I, I make that analogy. Like it, In the first Matrix, when Neo found out he was in some kind of computer program, 
it was very hard for him to really uh, kick ass, you know, yeah. and 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 uh, really use his powers to to their potential. It was hard, but by Matrix Three, he's fighting fifty guys up in the sky in the clouds, and he's got it all down. He's not tripping over the fact that he's and he could do whatever he want. And the first one, he's like, "Oh, sh that's how being stoned is at first and driving." You're like, "Oh my God, there's no way I could drive." And like, "I know jujitsu." Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> Wait, when did you start practicing jujitsu? When I was twenty-four. For real? Yep. Yep. That seems like late in life, right? Yeah, that is late in life. That is, you know, I to mean, be as good as you are. My, you know, after I realized like I was never going to make it in uh, football, football? Uh, it was all about rock stardom. So it was, was, I was before or after Darren, Darian, the, uh, what I, I started you, Darian, I started dating her as a purple belt in jujitsu. I was already in jujitsu. I came to LA, you know, to, to conquer the music business. I started getting into martial arts so I could be in shape. I didn't want to be a fat rock star. And then I got, you know, I started with karate and then I saw the UFC. I'm like, fuck, you know, my hobby's going to be jujitsu now because I just saw the UFC. It was just hobby, hobby. I'm going to make it in music. I'm DJing to pay the bills. I'm going to make it in music is, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And then the jujitsu blows up and the music didn't. I never when, stopped. But when, when, how old were you when someone's like, hey man, you're really good at jujitsu. Jitsu. Uh, like how soon into practicing was someone like believe it or not believe it or not Joe Rogan was the first one who made me I thought I was doing what everyone else was doing I didn't think I was doing anything special I'm a purple belt and Joe Rogan once uh, we started hanging out he was saying dude you know you're doing some shit that no one else is doing I'm like what are you talking about everyone's doing what I'm doing they're not doing what I'm doing so Joe really, I didn't, I really didn't think I was anything special at all. Not, really? I mean, I still don't, but Joe kind of, he put it in my head that damn, no one else is doing rubber guard like, like the way I'm doing it. And there, there were guys, you know, like Nino Shembri, he was playing, he, he did the, the go-go plata before anybody. I'm sure it's an old judo move, but uh, he popularized it. And, um, you know, I just added stuff and changed it. And all I did with jujitsu is I'm like a DJ, you know what I mean? I'm a DJ that, uh, you know, there's DJs that take other people's content and then put it in their own little yeah. mix or, or their little playlist. And then there's DJs that do that. And then they add their own shit too. They sprinkle in the original shit. I'm a DJ like that. It's taking people's shit, putting together in a system. And, you know, I sprinkle some variations that I can, you know, I come up with, you know, I'm like a, a jujitsu DJ really. When did you, how'd you meet Joe? In jiu-jitsu, at John Jacques Machado's class. We all, he was doing news radio at the time. So, and there was, there was always a guy or two that was like in a soap opera here. You know, in jiu-jitsu, there's a, you know, rich dudes, uh, you know, uh, doctors, lawyers, some kind of dude who owns this fucking giant company. There's yeah. always dudes mixed in jiu-jitsu, high-level dudes. Even, especially back then, because it, it was um, considered expensive. For martial art, for you know, you know, karate thirty bucks a month, jujitsu. They're talking about like two hundred bucks a month. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a little different. So, uh, I I heard you know they go, you know, there's an actor that trains here, man. He's on that show News Radio. I'm like, oh really? You know? And then then I'd meet him. I go, oh, you're that actor, dude. I never seen News Radio, but you know, I was like, oh shit, he's an actor. You know? And um, and then we just started talking, and then uh, we started training a little bit. And he said, dude, you should come over to my house and fucking teach me this crazy shit. Then I'd go over his house, you know, his old house in Bell Canyon, and we would do, uh, like, I'd show him the twister and stuff like that. I was a purple belt at the time, showing him some stuff. So, um, and what belt was he? He was a blue belt. So how's it go? It goes white? White, blue, purple, brown, black. Okay. And then beyond that is coral and then red belt. That's 
That's oh, there's something past black. I yeah, know. I thought there was you get like all your degrees. Two all your second degree, degree second black, degree, third degree, fourth degree. Fifth. I think it, it goes up until like coral. Maybe coral's next. Like Jean Jacques Machado's coral. He's not black belt. He's coral. Oh, what are you? I'm a black belt. You're not coral. Nope. Do you think you'll you ever have to be? In, I think you have to be training 35 years. Oh, really? Or more to be coral? I think something like that. So then, did you? So so that's crazy. So. Did you, you and Joe just hit it off? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I remember he was, you know, back then he was a super conspiracy theorist and uh, I was too. So that's what, that's how we really connected at first is we were going back on conspiracy theorists. And, um, and I remember uh, asking him, I was, I, I'm like, wow, we're like, we agree on so many things. And I, I remember asking him, like, oh, okay, let's see if he believes in God. Okay. Cause I was a total, I was a, like, uh, leaning more atheist, but I was agnostic. Some things happened in my life where I'm thinking, man, maybe there is a God. Yeah. But I, I was atheist for so long, you know, from like, once I found out everybody wasn't Catholic, I thought everybody was Catholic. Yeah. And then once I too. found out there was other religions at 11, I'm like, dude, I've been, I've been a fucking altar boy for the last three years and you're telling me everyone's not Catholic? What's a Jew? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what, there's, what's a Muslim? And then I thought, yeah. okay, this is all bullshit. There's all these different religions. Oh, okay, I'm ah. Catholic. I'm Catholic because my mom's Catholic. Yeah. You're a Jew because your mom's Jew. Okay, I get it. You know what I mean? So I thought, okay, fuck it. There is no God. There is no Satan. So then I got really, I became an atheist as a teenager and then started writing um, satanic lyrics because I was a big Slayer fan. Yeah. Not because I was worshiping Satan. I didn't think he existed. I didn't think he exists so much that I, I could write scary satanic lyrics and, and scare people. But, yeah. I, you know, but I never believed in it. But that's how much of an atheist I, I had become that I, I felt uh, like I bought the satanic Bible, you know, for its song ideas. I, yeah. Slayer was writing just like Game of Thrones satanic songs, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a Isn't the guy in Slayer right now, isn't he super Christian? I don't know about like, that. Like the lead singer, someone in the band I don't know is about like that. super Christian. I would love to know that, but Wasp, Wasp uh, his, their lead singer, Blackie Lawless, he became Christian. He's a born again Christian. I won't do certain songs, you know? Really? Uh, that happens, people, people switch. You know, for me, I, I was brought up a Catholic, I was an altar boy, the priest tried to make moves on me, fucked up. He had he didn't have any game. My priest didn't have any game. <laughs> wait, 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 what do you mean? It happened to me does? too, dude. He, me and my buddy were doing it. We're, we were altar boys. And there were, I altar boyed when I believed in God. And then I, once I became an atheist, I went back and, and, and was an altar boy again. You know, I go, you know what? These motherfuckers been lying to us. So then I became an altar boy just to steal change from yeah. uh, in the back when we, you know, from the collection. So we You're could go stealing play. from the church? Fuck yeah. So we could go play Miss Pac-Man and Defender. <laughs> you know, we just wanted the change. You know, we, we'd take some dollar bills too. But we became, it was like Ocean's Eleven. Me and, me and my, my friend who were doing it legit, we were an all, legit altar boys. And while we were legit altar boys, the priest asked us if, you, if we wanted to go get ice cream with him. Oh, and for fuck. me, I didn't know what game was back then. I was like 10. I didn't know. Yeah. I was just like, all I saw was free Hell Rocky yeah, Road. Like, are yeah. you kidding? Right, let's do it. But my buddy's aunt, she got wind of it. Oh. And she said, you know what? Let me cock block. So she came along and she, you know, that just blew his game. Did she tell you that? Motherfucker, motherfucker said ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see half baked? Yeah. Remember when, they, when Dave Chappelle asked that girl, he thinks his friends are asleep in the back and he goes, he looks back and then he asks that girl, you, uh, you think you want to go get some ice cream sometime? And then his friend Moko goes, ice cream? Motherfucker said ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, 
half baked. Watch it. It's amazing. So you asked Joe if he was an atheist, and he said what? Yes. I go, do you believe in God? He said, come on, man. That's religion's just used to control the masses. I was like, yes, I got a new BF, BFF. <laughs> so I remember that. I was in his car I'm like, shit, because if he would have been all religious, because we were agreeing on so much shit, like the, the moon landing and all that, you know, he was a, a giant moon. He was the biggest moon landing denier of all time. He would battle with NASA scientists on air. You could, you could hear that show on YouTube. Nobody was better than Joe. When Joe truly believes in something, you don't want to yeah, argue. Getting, you don't want to argue with that motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Joe is a smasher. He will straight stomp you like Vanderlei Silva and Dan Henderson. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he don't fuck around. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we we just clicked on that. We were hardcore conspiracy theorists, you know. I mean, I, I'm I'm I have subtle conspiracy theories, <laughs> but they're but they're ones that are so which unpopular. Ones, which one? I I'm even afraid to say it because people will go. People get offended when I say this. Which one? Which one? I think uh, the government created AIDS. Okay. To kill black people and gays. Okay. I believe. Yeah, that. I mean, if you re read the book by Bill Cooper, he talks about basically that. Yeah. They created a gay agenda. And there's nothing against gay people. Well, there, there's great, the great gay agenda, and then made AIDS to kill them off. Um, I wouldn't doubt it. If I would, if they could do it, they would do it. I wouldn't doubt it. But when you hear, uh, there was a guy on Joe Rogan's pos podcast, is is Doctor Doucheberg or something like that. With the, with one of the one Callum was on. M yes. Where the guy was saying that AIDS is just because of drug use. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I saw. I listened yeah. to some of that. He, basically, what he's saying is. <clears throat> Um, AIDS is a condition, you know, AIDS is like AIDS acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Mm -hmm. It means your immune system is broke. It means your engine is broke, you know? So a lot of things can cause that malnutrition, um, a whole shitload of viruses can, can make your immune system stop working. So in the case of AIDS, um, originally before it was called AIDS, it was called grid gay related, uh, immune deficiency. It was a it was a gay disease because in the seventies all the people that were showing up with their immune system shot were gay, so they yeah. were thinking shit. And the gay people were marching, going "Fuck! Why are you guys ignoring us? We, fucking all these gay people are dying. Don't ignore us. We need funding. We need to find out what this fuck what the fuck this is." They were making a lot of noise, going "Why are you guys calling it gay related immune deficiency? This is bullshit." So <clears throat> they decided to look into it. They took uh, this now. This is according to Doucheberg, yeah. right? They took. Um, a bunch of people that were dying of AIDS and they all did tests on them and they found out that 40% uh, of them had HIV of all these people. So just from that report, they just ran with HIV causes AIDS. But they didn't even, no one asked like, what about the people that didn't have HIV? Why are they still dying of AIDS? They didn't give a shit about that. They just went full blown. It's, we're gonna call it AIDS now. We're not gonna call it GRID no more. Really? And it's, if you got HIV, if you got HIV, you're getting AIDS. You, so that's what they thought. So people started getting tested, and people were getting coming up HIV positive, but they didn't realize that it. That's not conclusive that HIV causes AIDS because sixty percent of them didn't even have HIV. Yeah, it's either it was either forty um, percent didn't have HIV and they were still dying of AIDS, or sixty percent. It's a sixty forty thing. I forget out. It's it's either yeah. way, either way. Um, <clears throat> 
Either way, not all of the patients that they did the, the tests on, according to Duesberg, had HIV. So what the fuck were they dying? How were they getting uh, their immune system shot? So they never really got into that. They just said HIV, boom. So what they ended up doing is when people came up with a, an HIV positive test result, they would just get them on AZT, which is a medication that they stopped using for cancer patients because it was killing them. The AZT was killing them before the cancer. So they had a they had to shelve the AZT, but now with this new AIDS, they go, let's bring back AZT and anybody that has is test positive for HIV will give them AZT. And the people were dying of AZT, not AIDS, some of them people, who knows? According to Duesberg, yeah. were like, were, were, um, they were given AZT because they had an HIV positive result when in reality, they probably would have lived if they would have just figured out how to control the HIV. Yeah. So what they ended up doing, they ended up realizing, okay, they knew that. You know, let's, let's, let's stop AZT. Oh, we got a new cocktail. This is better and it was safer. So they stopped, they stopped AZT for cancer treatment and then they stopped it for AIDS treatment or HIV treatment. So there's a lot of fun. There was, an industry blew up, like all the AIDS tests and all this That's shit. That's what makes me crazy. Think they'll ever cure at, it? No, there's no money in curing it. Um, well, what they found out, according to Duesberg, is that what was what was killing their immune system, according to him, was um, not all. Uh, it was generally the hardcore drug users. There's a there's a gay way to use uh, gays use certain drugs like poppers and a anal nitrate or amyl nitrate. What is it? Amyl, amyl nitrate. Amyl nitrate. Yeah. And poppers. It'd be which, too convenient if it was anal nitrate. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Of course. You're right. So those. And I, I, I'm just going by Doucheberg. Yeah. He said those two drugs are very popular amongst gay people to uh, loosen up your rectum to make anal intrusion a lot easier right yeah so that's why they took it and then something about amyl nitrate right when you're having uh, an orgasm and you take it it's like a crazy it's like gays love doing that oh, I didn't know nothing wrong that. with enjoying your sex yeah. but it was those poppers those those things that make your butt loose and amyl nitrate a common and and then you know speed of course and heavy alcohol use they found that most of the people that were dying already dying of AIDS from their immune system was shot was from these drugs it yeah. wasn't from HIV. It was actually the drugs. So, well, that's my, what Duesberg says. I don't know. I'm no expert. The only problem with that is that people, and I, I, I haven't seen the study, but there are people who got it through blood transfusions. They got HIV, right? So yeah. when they get HIV, then they put them on AZT, and then they was get, that, they, that? they get they get killed. Was that was that uh, Arthur Ashe? Did he get put on AZC? I don't know. He got a, he I was, don't know. But he was the first round of yeah, guys that got the, it from blood transfusion. Yeah, the big problem was as soon as someone gets an HIV positive test result, they put them on some hardcore drugs. And the, the, the conspiracy theory is that they're dying from the drugs, not from the HIV. The drugs are fucking them. That's why they had to pull AIDS. They don't give AZT out to AIDS patients no more than they used to. They used yeah. to do it for cancer too. They don't do it anymore. Why? Because it's too fucking dangerous. See, my, my, according to Duesberg, I was in Atlanta doing uh, the Laughing Skull a while ago, and I said something about AIDS and the, some bunch of people from the uh, Center for Disease Control (CDC) were there, and I they said, you know what? And by the way, they work there. They said, you know, what we call a straight guy with AIDS, and I said, what? And they go, a liar. <laughs> and I went really, and they're like, it does. Straight guys can't get it. Just yeah, there's a lot of things that didn't make sense though, like. 
when AIDS first came out big, like in the eighties, they were saying by 1992, one in four Americans yeah. between 18 and 25 are going to have AIDS. It was a big scare. No oh. one, not one straight guy. I know not one has ever gotten AIDS. Yeah, me neither. Not one. You would, think, you would think hookers, right? you would think hookers all over Brazil would have AIDS, right? Dude, and they don't. No. Well, one. there's a lot down there do have AIDS. What about the porn industry should be rampant hold on, with hold AIDS? On. Let me just say one thing, though, okay. about that. There are straight guys that get AIDS, but they get it through... Um, needles. Needles. Yeah, that, I believe that. Yeah, but yeah, remember, yeah. Remember what AIDS is. AIDS, AIDS is your immune system don't work. The, like the African kids, the, the Ethiopians that are getting AIDS, they're, they're calling it AIDS because their immune system doesn't work. But with, they're getting AIDS from malnutrition. Not having food, really, but they still call it AIDS to get the to get aid. There's like some kind of, um, you know, those those uh, non-government uh, organizations that are all you know disguised yeah. in philanthropy. Yeah. You know what I mean? They come in and like you know, there's all of them. They have just like an awesome name, like Hope for right. Africa right. Yeah. Foundation. Sounds great, but really, they're just it's they're doing some kind of money laundering, some kind of crooked shit going on. That fucking Africa is a fucking in the fact that that place exists is mind blowing. <laughs> Africa, dude. Have you ever been there? Going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have yeah. you been to uh, Liberia? No, but I, I spent the night in a shanty town in oh, South Africa. What? Yeah, I spent the night in a shanty town. And wait, in South Africa, South like Africa. by Johannesburg and all that. Uh, dude, crazy shit's going on in South Africa right now. What's crazy going on? Shit. What's going on in South Africa? Like, th like they're just taking land from farmers now and giving it to people. It's violence is insane. Really. Like farmers are being murdered. What is the shanty town like? So is it white people? Or no, people? no, 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 no. Not one white person. And you were in there? Yeah, so we I went in, spent the night, woke up the next morning, got drunk that night, crazy, ran around, was fun as fuck. You went by really yourself? dangerous. No, no. Uh some guards. Guards? Yeah, and my TV show one oh, time and then another time. It was time for the TV in. show. Yeah, one time for the TV show and then one time when I was down there. What was the premise? Why'd you go there? Uh, we wanted to play soccer with these kids and uh, experience another side of Africa. And this was, we also spent the night in a favela. And in so, Brazil. yeah, those were pretty, those are even probably sketchier than shanty towns. Oh, really? Oh, favelas in are. In Brazil? We went scary. to, this, we went to the safest favela you could go to. Yeah. But man. Old fucking numbnuts Bert started walking around on his own and got lost. Oh my god! Ended up in the middle of this fucking courtyard where it was all houses like or apartments going straight up, <laughs> and in the center, like literally, like the wall of your apartment building. In the center was a, a soccer court, and these kids were playing soccer out there. And I just got down. I was like, let's play soccer. And no one knew where the fuck I was. And then it started getting dark. And I was like, I don't know where the fuck I am. And yeah, the favelas are scary. But in the shantytown, here's what really fucking blew my mind. The next morning, we're leaving. We're getting ready to leave. And this guy's getting chased down the street with a, with a brick. Another guy's got a brick. A couple guys got a brick and a machete. And they're chasing him down the street. And I was like, what the fuck? And one of the guys, one of our guards is walking towards us. And then he goes, uh, yeah, he's uh, he got caught stealing a pillow. I went, really? And they're like, yeah, don't worry. They'll take care of him. They have justice in the in these, in these in here. I was like, what are they going to do? And he's like, oh, they necklace him. They put a tire around his neck and light him on fire. And I was oh like, my I was God. Like, for stealing a fucking pillow? Like, holy shit and i was oh just like we need to get the fuck out of here like i didn't i didn't know that i thought there was this idea that i was safe 
And then as soon as I heard that, and they they were chasing him right by us, like literally right by us. I was like, oh, I there's no safety in this place. Let's get the fuck out. It's all lottery, man. You get lucky. You're born in a certain place, oh. and it works out. I mean, like you got to work hard in your life, but obviously. And then some people are born. Wouldn't it be scary to come back? What if you're born, fuck, you're born in like, you know, uh, Venezuela or some shit. You know? Yeah, fuck. dude. Oh, dude. I've, I've seen some really, I've seen real poverty in this world. Like Vietnam, we rolled into it. What's a, the worst you've seen? So you've never been to Liberia. Liberia is supposed to be the worst, right? They say like the, all of that, that uh, what is it? Ivory Coast? Is that what it Monrovia, is? Monrovia, I think, is the city in Liberia. Yeah, those are fucking scary. Yeah, because, I mean, the story is... Are they lawless, right? The, the story is that when slavery was abolished, they actually did send a bunch of slaves back to Africa, and they dumped them off in Mon- uh, Monrovia, Liberia. Yeah. And those uh, Africans, now they're Americanized, they ended mm. up trying to run shit because they had, you know... Uh, uh, gangster tactics like the slave owners. So so apparently the civil war there has been ongoing since the end of slavery. And this is according to that Vice story where they had Captain Butt Naked. Yeah, you ever see General that Butt Naked, yeah. Yeah, General Butt Naked. Oh, so they go it. they they say the civil war is just like never ending and it's it's all it all stems from the American blacks coming back and, and trying to take control. Yeah, I think they That's what MS13 is. We sent a bunch of uh gangbangers back to El Salvador and the guy just started running shit dude he created apparently apparently what what I've seen on Vice and you know I don't I don't I take what I see on on Vice with a grain of salt I think that's kind of mainstream media sort of it used to be like alternative but now it's whenever they get bought out by a big corporation it changes it yeah they're buying the message totally so but so that's why I watch it with you know with, with some salt and they said that, um, what were we just talking about? MS-13. Uh, oh, MS-13. yeah. They're, they're, they did a special where they're sending MS-13 guys back to Guatemala or El Salvador, and they're getting killed. Like, the cops are killing them. So the, the story on Vice was, like, trying to make us feel sorry for the MS-13 guys that are getting sent back. Because now that really? they get sent back, the cops don't want to deal with them, so the cops hunt them down and kill them. So now they're like they do that in Brazil. They hunt down kids, all the crazy, the homeless kids out there. The cops. Oh, the children of the sun. Is that what is it called? Yeah, yeah. Children of the sun. City of God. City of. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. City of God. Dude, that for those favelas, it was the most beautiful view of Brazil I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like we had this hotel room on the very, very, very top, and uh, you, it just was fucking gorgeous. Some cold beers, sun setting. Yeah, oh. it's different in Brazil. In, in the states here, the higher you go up the hills, like the richer you are, yeah. and you pay for them views. You could have a small house on top of uh, over sunset. Shit, that thing could be worth three million just because of the view, you know. But in Brazil, the higher you go in the mountains, the more favela you get. So you look at those mountains, and they just got shanty little oh. shacks everywhere. It's scary. It is. Crazy. We went up with the. We went up. I'm gonna fuck this up. Someone would be better to know this. There was a there was a police force that went in and basically used fucking training day tactics on the favelas. It's like called the 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 Star of Death or something. The and this guy just basically murdered everyone that was breaking the law. Just went in and fucking a murdered cop? people. Yeah, this cop or a police force. I'm gonna fuck it up. But anyway, they were our escort in, 
And so we were, oh, they were like, the guy who did all that was escorting you. Not in? that actual guy, but they're people. So we walked in and we were like, we were on set and we took these guys. We got these kids to take us with motorcycles up to the top and uh, they drove us up in motorcycles. And this one grizzly guy had the biggest fucking head in the world. And he was my guy. He was fat as fuck. He had a really big head and I have a really big head. And we got up to the top and I knew that we were getting a ride out of there. We didn't need the motorcycles to get us down. And I had a, I just got a brand new helmet, like a fucking $400 helmet, motorcycle helmet from the Travel Channel. And I looked at him. I said, try it on. And he tries it on and it fits. And he's still got it on. I go, it's yours. And he flips out the thing smiling. And he's like, yeah. I go, it's yours. And just took off <laughs> before I could change my mind. Just <laughs> took off. Yeah. The one in Vietnam, we walked into the village, into a village that they had never seen a white guy. Right. What? Yeah. This They had never seen a white guy and they had never seen a white guy with a beard. Like they don't grow beards in Vietnam. So when I came out of the jungle with this big fucking beard, they were like Chupacabra. Yeah. And like just ran and the kids fucking were terrified of me. And so I went into the kids and uh, my, my, my fixer TT was like, they're scared of your beard. They think you're a wolf. And I was like, I was like, oh, tell him to come here. And so then one kid wanted to touch it. And I let him touch my beard. And as soon as they did it, I went, Grr. and they all started laughing. And then they all wanted to touch my beard. And then I just went in. Of course, you know me, I travel with Skittles and fucking candy in my backpack. That's all I had in my backpack. So I emptied out my backpack, all the candy and gave it to them. And they were like losing it. You're becoming like Vietnam Santa. Oh, they, they, have they, you guys heard of the tortilla flats? Do you guys know that story? No. no. When you're talking about the guys going in and just wrecking chop. For the longest time, the Mexican community in Los Angeles would not go to Dodgers games. Oh, yeah. Because when the Dodgers came to L.A., they basically went, there was this one area of L.A. where the it was the only place illegals were allowed to live. And when the Dodgers came from New York, they decided they're going to put Dodger Stadium right there. So they went straight up like like Nazi kicking doors, you know, just grabbing families, throwing them out of the houses, knocking down all the, yeah. all the buildings to build Shit. Dodger stadium. What? So the Dodgers, what year Gestapo, was I like think this was in the 40, 50s, 40, 50s. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, a, there I, was I, Mexicans back then. <laughs> Mexicans wouldn't go celebrate the Dodgers. And you know what changed it? Fernando Valenzuela. When yep. he came and they had a Fernando like mania, that's when the Mexicans came back to the Dodgers. But we we did that shit in L.A. Coming in, just kicking the doors, man, throwing people out, burning down their buildings. Yeah, because they wanted Damn. that land for Dodger Stadium. Was that was it like a sanctuary little village? Well, no, it's the only place they would allow illegals to move to. What was the name of that city? They called it the Tortilla Flats. Oh, shit. Because it was yeah. all Mexican. What's okay. his name? Uh, I want to say Frank Castillo or Jesus Trejo. One, I toured with two dudes who were Mexican, and they told me about this. I think it was Frank was saying that his grandfather had to go in and kick out his own people. One of them told me that. Like, they had to, they hired Mexicans to go in, too. And they were like, fucking, we got to build a stadium, guys. That's fucked up. Yeah. But and, but now you go to a Dodger game. It's and, all Mexicans with horrible yeah, they face even tattoos. Got, you, on the menu, you go to the snack bar and they got Doyer burgers. Yeah. Or Doyer dogs. <laughs> yeah. How crazy is that? Isn't that crazy? You, you could order a Doyer dog. They love the Dodgers. Yes. Mexicans love the Dodgers. My grandfather loved, he'd never miss a dog. I love Really? Him. My grandfather never missed. He snuck over the border in like uh, in the 60s. 
like mid 60s he crossed the border illegally but even though my grandmother was a citizen my grandmother was born in Santa Barbara and she was an American citizen then at 12 her parents moved her back to Mexico he married or she married my grandfather at 15 they had a few kids and then they wanted to come to the States they could have just walked across the border but my grandfather wanted to earn his citizenship like on his own he's like machismo to the max so he so he went Rambo so he snuck across the border and earned his you know started cutting grass and shit and earned his green card you know but he he was partying a little too much and uh, he didn't want, he wasn't ready for the family to, to come to the States. And then my grandma found out that he, he had his green card already and, and it was time, but he was, he was bullshitting and telling her that, um, and, you know, any day now, any day. Meanwhile, he's partying in, in San Diego and shit on the beach, get hammered. And then uh, my grandma just showed up with five kids at the board at Tijuana and said, come pick us up. It's time. Uh-huh. So Wait, then, well, who's, who is your dad Mexican? Dad's Mexican, mom's Mexican. So you're 100% Mexican? Mexican as fuck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But my Spanish is horrible. I was the first of the grandkids to start to lose Spanish. Very shameful. There was a time when you were supposed to assimilate. So, you know, like people would move here and, you know, they keep their culture. But the whole thing was about to melt and blend in. Yeah. That was my mom's generation. You know, my, my grandparents... They were proud to be Armenians, but they were like trying to become American. Everybody on my on my my uh, grandfather or my great grandfather, they all changed the name from Tripoli to Triple, so uh, to, to be more American. Like it, the whole thing about keeping your culture, which I have no problems with, but that's a very new thing. Tripoli sounds Italian. It is Italian. Okay, my mother's Bedorian. So your mother's Italian. My mother's Armenian, and her last name was is Bedorian. Okay. And my dad's Italian. Your dad is full-blown Italian. Uh, Italian Sicilian. Okay. Wait, who, who started the Arme- Armenian genocide? Turkish. The Turks. The fucking Turks. I was in, I was in, uh, I was in uh, England, London with Patrice. No, 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 Scotland. And they were doing a chant. Patrice the comedian? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's great. I love yeah. that guy. And uh, they were doing a chant. I'd rather be a Paki than a Turk. Don't. I'd rather be a Paki than a Turk. And and we were like, what is it? I, I neither of us really understood. And they were like, oh, we'd rather be Pakistani than Turkish. And we were like, or the Tur- or Turk. And we were like, what the fuck kind of chant is this? And Patrice is like, they're just as racist as we are. Yeah. <laughs> they throw bananas at black at black soccer players. Oh, dude. They throw like, bananas. Soccer hooligans are the worst. We like to think that they're like they're all Raider fans. That's what that's what kids. I'm, I'm I'm obsessed with this premise that people in Canada and England go. You guys are so obsessed with race, but I think we mask our hatred of socioeconomic uh, people, like people in lower socioeconomic classes. We mask it with race. And, and they don't have the, they don't do that there. They don't have as much diversity. So they just go, oh, we don't like poor people. Right? Where? In England. Like they have poor people too. No one likes poor people. That's the whole premise that I'm obsessed with. George got in the car. My oldest got in the car uh, recently. Uh, she played a softball game against a, a group of Mexican girls that were really tough. Like they were from the barrio. The dad's they, a cholo. They would have danced at uh, the other place. What was it? The uh, the they would, Jets. Bar? They would have danced at Jets. Yeah, they would have been <laughs> and jet so, dancers. And, she, and the and what the dad was doing is no matter what the girls did, he'd go run the bases, force the error. 
So the girl would bunt, and then she'd run around and make a home run because the white girls would just panic, throw the ball into right field. They'd fucking take it, throw it into fucking the, the third base dugout. And so we get in the car, and Georgia's whimpering in the back. And I was like, what's the matter? She was like, I think I'm racist. <laughs> I was like, what? She goes, I don't like Mexicans. <laughs> I go, no, you don't like poor people. That's, you just think they're Mexican because you saw their, that's just poor people. And then I said to her, and I said this to her this morning, because I was That upset. is so funny, dude. I said to her this morning, I go, I said, I want to do this as a bit, but I, I'm going to have to say that you said that you didn't like Mexicans. Is that going to bother you? And she was like, uh, yeah, maybe, because I go to school with a lot of Mexicans, Dad. And she's like, maybe next year when I go to private school, but not right now. And so and so I said, and then in the car I said to her, I go, you, it doesn't have anything to do with race. I go, you know the type of people that come to your house and they, they don't pay for anything and they eat all the good snacks right away and then and then they eat all the good drinks and when you go out to eat, they never offer, offer to pay. And Georgia goes, oh, you mean mom's family? I went, yeah, they're poor people. You that don't like poor people. That is so funny, dude. <laughs> but, but it's all around this world, no one likes poor people. You know? Yeah. And like in, they have it in England, but it's, they just happen to be white. So they don't have racism, but in our country, our media has taken it to make it look like uh, the black people are the poor people. The Mexicans Cla- are the classism. Poor yeah, is that a word. Yeah, is that I a mean, word? You, it's very interesting that you know they act like we're the only ones who care about right. I know in comedy they they don't like to hear racial jokes that much, but I, I think that exhausting. our society in America we have been brainwashed and basically beat down into everything is racial. Yeah. And that's so we don't get along and we don't pay attention to what's going on. And that's my honest opinion, man. But I th- think it's beautiful to, you know, for them, the psychopaths that run the world. I think it's brilliant. Just start mixing a bunch of fucking different races. And then as long as they're fighting, yeah, it doesn't fine. matter if it's about race, if it's about politics, or if it's about uh, uh, religion. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The, the, you don't the main goal is really. to get them to fight. It doesn't matter why they're fighting. Do you Trump, believe, Hillary. Do you believe there's like fight. an Illuminati that's running things that's kind of pulling the strings? Can I say something, dude? Yeah. There are there there are eight families that that own pretty much the Federal Reserve. They own almost all of both every state's centralized bank. Really? Okay. And these eight families own the biggest chunks of every fortune 500 country company. So they literally own everything. And that makes me feel that television is just a shell game because these people own the channels and they own the people advertising on the channels. So it's just a, it's just a move of money type thing, dude. I mean, it, when you take a look at it, it is insane. And everybody wants to blame Rothschilds. I think they're the boogeyman. They're one of them, but they're used as the bad guys. There's people even above them. This black nobility people, they're uh, out of Italy. Have you heard of them? They're the, mm, they're the black old- Black nobility. They're called black nobility, man. And nobody knows them because that's how you know they got real power because nobody talks about them. They are old banking families from Rome. They've been around since Rome, dude. Wow. And they are like the real G's, dude. And the Rothschilds are one of them. You know, then the, the royal family. It's so funny watching these. Everybody celebrate the royal family. You're like, Queen Elizabeth was literally just found guilty of the disappearance and pretty much the death of like 10 orphan children. 
in a world court. She was yeah. convicted. Wait, for real? One, she'll never be, ever. You'll never know about it because the media covers up. But there's so much shit going on in politics right now. I've never been so deep Dude, into politics. Dude, the royal family right. backed the Nazis. You'll just never hear about it. There's so much going on. There's so many people in politics. So many people getting fired, switching jobs. All these, these uh, like in, in politics, I mean, um, deputy of House Intelligence Committee, uh, special counsel, uh, Senate minority leader. There's so many politicians and all these lawyers and prosecutors in the Department of Justice. They get so many people. It's not just Trump and Pence and then you, you know, and then before him it was Obama. There's a shitload of people. It's like Game of Thrones trying to really follow politics what's really going on yeah. there's a whole shitload of people and, and and have you heard of QAnon you know no. Q, Q see, anonymous um man that's a long story uh shit there's just so much going on you know Rosenstein McCabe um the new CIA director that Gina Haspel there's How all these crazy is that there's she's so much shit going on man that you'll never see and the, they never report on it because it's nothing but shady shit none all these people Every one of them. If they I'd say ninety percent. They do. They are not waking up in the morning, trying to figure out what to do uh, for the people. My girlfriend. All just how are how are you going to maintain get power. power, maintain power, keep the power, and get as much money as you can, and have your own little racket. Like everyone's got their own little gun running racket. It's like a like you know when you retire from politics. You have your little drug running racket, little gun running racket. You're selling guns that the taxpayers paid for. You're selling guns that you didn't even pay for, and then you're selling them on the black market. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's really what's going on. Everyone's everyone's a little gun runner, and all these people in power, and they all got their little shady shit going on, you know. And, in, and they're doing all the Russian stuff. I mean, yeah, maybe they heard something when they when they when they um, spied on him and they wiretapped him. You know, maybe they did hear something. I don't know, but they got to push a Russian narrative because to call Trump on what you really want to call him on, they would be. They don't want to do that because the people who signed their checks, I mean, when I say they, MSNBC and Fox and all them, you'll never hear them report on any real shit because the people who signed their checks are also doing that too. So yeah. they have to create a boogeyman type thing. Yeah. Like the, the, the Russians affected the election. It's hilarious. What's crazy is, you know, Fox News has always been... Uh, known as fake news and uh, same thing with MSNBC and CNN is they're the godfathers of that uh, th that's like a joke now you know but um, you know Fox would always give you the bullshit about the uh, Republicans and then MSNBC and CNN are all about the, the liberals right um, but in this situation that we got going on now with Trump because the liberals have done have done so many illegal things. The illegal surveillance of Trump by our intelligence agencies. Do they put plants on him? Yeah, all that shit. The, the the liberals did so much to fuck with Trump. Illegal shit. That's what's coming out today. Yeah, today it's coming. It's out. all coming, it's coming out. out today. Pfizer so all memo, the shit. All that shit. So yeah. so now because they went after Trump so hard and yeah. left a fucking trail of messages and all these all these uh um texts back and forth that, that that prove that the FBI, CIA, Department of Justice, Hollywood, uh the Hillary campaign, all of the podestas they all colluded 
to do anything to bring Trump down and not let him win. Hillary, so owes all a lot that's of coming money. out, all that shit's coming really? out. All those 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 emails that um, Hillary bleached. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. People thought, and I thought she got away with it. Look, nobody's fucking indicting her. No one's going after. Her. You know why? Because she had every. They're all on the same team. All the senior leaders of the FBI, Department of Justice. They're not going to touch anything. Hillary. The Hillary's protected. So what? Tr- what? According to there Q- is a real hatred between Hillary and yes, Trump, and of course, mostly, usually, it's like pro wrestling, in my opinion. You know that you know there's a Vince McMahon who has both of the both of the yeah, Bill Clinton and uh, George Senior. That was WWF. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, WWF. Yeah. They're like yeah. they're partners in crime. Uh, Bill Clinton Bill worked Clinton. for George Singer. George Singer is like one of the top dogs. Oh, he George is one, of, one of, the, of the top. Really, and, and while he was vice did. president, while he was vice president. Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas. Yeah. So uh, George Bush, as a vice president, former director of the CIA, the president is uh, Ronald Reagan. They try to kill him and just put George Senior right, right in. At yeah. The top. Do you know Hinckley so, family were very close friends with the Bushes? Yeah. No. Hinckley's father is old oil from Texas. George Bush is quoted saying they're friends. For real? Yeah. If you take out Reagan, who becomes president? George C. So during during He's associated with two assassination attempts on presidents. Yeah. So so while George Senior was the vice president in the eighties, waiting to take over, uh, Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas. So uh, the, they were running cocaine and arms through Arkansas because they had Bill, Bill was part of the, the Arkansas game. was ranked 50th in everything nobody yeah. pays attention to Arkansas exactly so Mina Arkansas you can go to YouTube and just punch in Mina Arkansas Bill Clinton he was responsible for letting he's the governor he was letting George Senior run uh run guns to um, Central America yeah, and then no. they bring back Coke. I mean, that's real. They just made a movie about it. Yeah. Barry Seals with Tom Cruise and apparently I haven't seen it because I, I don't, when you watch historical movies, it's, it's There's propaganda. It's, on yeah, it. the propaganda. So I wouldn't even watch it. But Joe said, Joe said it was good. So I might go back and watch it's a movie. But when you know the real Barry Seals and like I've been obsessed with the Clintons for the last fifteen years. Really? Oh man. When you find out when you find out the war of drug like the war on drugs like, like our government is like, we have dare to keep kids off drugs, the war on drugs. They start the war. They started the war on drugs. They're bringing in the guns. They're bringing in the, the, the drugs. Yeah. More than any of the, the cartel, cartels are bringing war in drugs drug, too. Same thing. Cartels are bringing in drugs, but not as much as the CIA. They bust a cartel here and there, you know, just to make it look like they're, they're trying to, but they're bringing it in. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're our government Dude, we're is pro- bringing in the drugs. So when you find that heroin. out, I was just obsessed with, wait a minute. I thought you guys were trying to stop cocaine. Yeah. You know, you guys are bringing it in? That's, and that's that is the, That's some evil shit. That's oh, yeah, evil dude. Shit. Oh, crazy documented. Yeah, yeah, the Iran-Contra yeah. hearings, that's what it was all about. Yeah. But they but they, they, they kept George Singh. He's the main dude. But in all the hearings, they kept him out of it. They kept the boss out. So they're like, who's going to take the fall? You know, so Oliver North came up and he was like, okay, he's going to be the fucking fall guy. So the, the, the Iran-Contra hearings were, they had to come out and do them. You know what I mean? Just because they know people forget. And they thought, you know what? I guess I'm... Um, uh, we George Singer, you know, uh, even though they kept him out of it, it just seemed like, you know, too many people knew that he was the boss. So maybe we should bring in another presidential candidate. And then they just decided, fuck it. You know what? Just run for president. We're going to, you're going to win anyway. So they have con- control of the media. They can, um, 
they can make anything happen. When you have control of the media, you can make you can make anybody believe anything. Like if if you wanted to, if you controlled CNN, you could make people believe that Santa Claus really did go to everyone's house at night and deliver presents. You can oh, get yeah. people to believe. You'd have to start slow though. You have to start slow. If it was operation, let's get people to believe in Santa Claus. You do say, you say, Rudolph the reindeer's bones were found in Lithuania in some cave. You know what I mean? You just started off with that, plant the seed. The damn, there really wasn't. He goes, yeah, I heard there was a Santa Claus. It was actually a Saint Nick. There actually was based on a, oh really? And he did have a reindeer? Yeah. You put that shit on CNN, people are like, you know, they'd be at work on you here. They found fucking Rudolph the reindeer's fucking bones. Bro. Oh. Like, oh yeah, we knew that. You know, then people would be pretending like they knew all along. The people that were criticizing people that believed in Santa Claus, now that instead of going, you fucking believe in Santa Claus, you fucking idiot, it's for kids. Now they're going, oh, yeah, yeah, we knew that. There was really a Saint Nick. You know, that's how people, that's, that's how people like you know that. The moon deniers, the moon landing deniers, they'll say, you're crazy. We went to the moon, you're crazy. And then all the evidence comes out that they faked it. Then people go, oh, yeah, they faked it. It was, we, we, were, we were having a space race with Russia. You know what I mean? I find that you know? people don't, don't keep score. Like, Literally, they move on. So let's take a look at like uh, when we invaded Iraq and, and they lied about weapons of mass destruction, right? Yeah. Just blatantly lied. Yeah. We have, yeah. We That's have the excuse. Two, the excuse is always uh, uh, they're trying to figure out nuclear bombs. That's the perfect yeah. excuse because everybody, everybody thinks nuclear bombs are like the most evil thing ever. You know, everyone thinks like we were brought up to think that the, in, in the United States, there was a big red button here. And then Russia, they had a big red button. And the presidents had the power to press this red button. And then the world's going to explode. Yeah. That's what people fucking were brought up believing. We believe that shit. Right, right. We believe that shit. Just the belief alone is all you need. And they all lie need about say, hey, that. And nobody they, keeps score yeah, on if that. If they want to invade any country, all they got to say is those motherfuckers, they, they're trying to build nuclear Do you know bombs. they're doing the exact same argument right now for Iran? Of course. But they're not televising it here? Really? Like this Nina Harley, whatever her name is. I just saw something about Iran in the news today. She is literally using the exact same argument they used to invade Iraq to invade Iran right now. It's perfect. But, but they're Korea, not televising it here because they know people will be like, you fucking lied about before. You're full of shit. So they're not even telling anybody this. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Dude, crazy shit going on right now. There's so much Obama shit going and, uh, on. It's like it's like Game of Thrones is actually really going dude, on in Fiza, Washington DC. You know how many how many characters? If, if you turn someone on, you watch Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. How long would it take? How many episodes would it take to figure out all the characters and what's going on? It would take like two or three, two three seasons, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I still You'd don't. Have, you wouldn't even know the it. names. Like, what's the fucking what's like what's that prince's name again? You wouldn't yeah. even fucking know. And. That's what's going on in Washington D.C. There's a whole shitload of people, and there's um, those those Hillary the 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 Anthony Weiner hard drive where they they said they found him t sexting a 15 year old. That's nothing. That dude, that's, that's nothing. not even real, dude. Yeah. He, let's think about think about who who. There's way worse. There's, who there's he some is, dude. Crazy shit going on in that in that hard drive. Anthony yeah, Weiner was back. a huge huge politician. He went to jail for texting a chick. Do you really think that's what happened? No. Come yeah. on, man. There was some dark shit on that, and they, he cut a deal, and that's what they said it was. Yeah. They go, we're going to have to say something. But um, what's going on, this is the, the QAnon thing. This is what's going on. Obviously, everybody's against Trump. 
NBC, CNN, everybody. But since he's a Republican, Fox is like on Trump's side. Yeah. So, so with this certain situation that's going on, it seems like Trump wasn't even, you know, there's video of him saying he's not even Republican. He goes, if I, if I ever ran for president, I'd, I'd be a Republican because, you know, that, that'd be an easy, I, I could easily, he thinks like I think he made a, some kind of reference to them being stupid. It'd be easy to fool them or something yeah. like that. He did something like that. So he's probably not even really a Republican deep down, but he knows if he would have ran as like an independent, he probably oh, he'd have never made. get the vote. So anyways, so because he's he's a Republican officially now, now with the, the, the this unique situation we got with Trump, Fox is having a field day because it it's true that the FBI. Well, it seems like it is, allegedly. And it seems like all this stuff's coming out now. Um, uh, certain senior members at the FBI, not the whole uh, organization, there's a lot of good people in, in the FBI and the CIA as well. There's people that just want to, they want to fight for the They country. love America. Yeah, they love America and they truly want to fight for the country. And then you got your corrupt people in intelligence. Yeah. So the corrupt people uh, got together and they wanted to make sure Trump didn't win, but he won anyways. So now there's all this evidence that they broke a lot of laws. You can't have the FBI We're talking surveilling Watergate on a, a presidential candidate. Yeah. You can't have that shit. Now, they even spied on him after he won. Yeah. So what's going down right now is fuck. They're all going to get busted. And now Fox News, which was generally fake news, now they're like, it's it's. Um, obviously, the, the, you know, there's still crazy bias, but they're saying more truthful shit now than ever. Like you watch Fox News yeah. and they're, they're basically confirming Q ain't on. Q is a guy deep in the Trump administration who is what they decided to do is a, since the media is totally bashing Trump and he can never get out what he really they always uh, 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 show clips of Trump talking out of context. Like last week, they, uh, CBS aired something that said uh, they, they made it seem like he was talking about Mexicans, and he said, "Yeah, we're gonna we're deporting them at an, a, a, a high rate. They're animals. They're they're vicious animals, and we just want to deport them." So CBS and MSNBC they aired aired it like he was talking about Mexicans, but he was talking about MS-13. It was clear, because you could watch really? videos of the whole thing, and then the shit that CBS shows, just parts of it, and they they blasted it like, and, and I could I understand how these libtards are getting crazy, going, fuck Trump. Yeah, because yeah, if he really did say, if he really did say Mexicans are fucking animals and we're gonna deport them, hell yeah, I would say, you know what, he is crazy, we need to get him the fuck out of here. But he wasn't saying that, but most people don't know that. So that's a perfect example of what they do there. They could they could take video of you and make you look like a child molester. You know what oh. I mean? There's a guy on Instagram, he's a, at Rogan God. He took a conversation that, that Joe had on his, podcast with some chick and they were talking about like the sexual allegations going on with that happened with like Louis CK and all that stuff and some dude edited it to make it look it's hilarious at Rogan God it made it look like Joe on his podcast is getting super creepy with this chick it's all edited and it's it makes Joe look like a fucking just a creepy predator yeah but obviously it was edited it's funny it's funny yeah that's what they do to Alex Jones that's what they do to uh, Trump all the time they edit it make it out so when you watch it you're like oh my god this motherfucker's the president it's the craziest motherfucker ever when in reality Trump yes he is an er he's arrogant he's pompous full of pride talks a lot of shit you know but the Q anon plan the plan is 
there's a team behind Trump. Trump was chosen by, by the military, group, by the military, high-ranking intelligence officers in the military, to to rid to clean up Washington D.C. Apparently, the child trafficking is just out of control, and it's, it's a big bad. business. It's really? a big business in Washington D.C. It's is huge. that the PizzaGate? All that shit. PizzaGate was put out to make to to basically n- n- make it look discredited. N- no, no, it wasn't like that. No, PizzaGate. Well, the P- PizzaGate. P- PizzaGate is PizzaGate. PizzaGate. All that. All that. That shit. When you look into it, they made everybody think because they have control of the media. They made everybody think it was a hoax, and they. But it wasn't a hoax. When you look at all, when you look at when you look, well, they at call all, it PizzaGate, and people go, "Oh, he, he's doing this in the basement." It doesn't even have a basement. Yeah, it does have a basement. There's pictures of the basement. Yeah. When you look into PizzaGate, oh, dude, it's, I don't so, even it's really real. know. I don't but they made everybody think that it was a hoax. The, the, the control of the media is everything. They control everything. They can make you think. Uh, uh, they can make you think the Santa Claus is real. Did you see that video with uh, Sinclair? Sinclair video where this guy edited everything together where this one company owns pretty much half of the local news stations. Yeah. And they would tell everybody exactly what to say and they would say it verbatim and therefore it spread everywhere. So the Clintons deregulated the media. And everyone's like, why are you doing it? They're like, oh, this will be good for uh, competition. No, it allowed it to consolidate. So now five people or six companies own all the media. And all the news, they're reading off the script. And, you know, a whole shitload, a whole shitload of news stations, local news stations all over the world. They have the exact same script. Yeah, and there's, and there, there's no benefit for a newscaster who's not that creative in the first place. All they're really do, good at is looking good and reading out loud. Yeah. There's no benefit for them to question. No. They're not they're not coming up with shit. They're not doing journalism. That's they're, not that they're, they're just, those the newscaster type is more a sheep person yes. who likes to be led, who yes. do, doesn't want to question anything. Yeah, exactly. Just wants to be given a job, security. Same easy, thing with hosts. Easy job. Oh, it's an easy job. Yeah. That's a great way you're not to really shut a people reporter, up. You're a Someone host, starts yeah. talking too loud. They offer them shows. You want a show? You got. You have a lot of potential. Then they get you locked into a show. Now you don't want to lose that show. Now you got to fucking play ball by our. Oh, I do. That's how they do it. They give I, them shows. When I was on Travel Channel, I never would smoke pot on camera, and so it never looked like I smoked smoke pot. And it would. Joe would be like, "Are you being fucking serious?" Like I, Brian would cut the camera off me, and I would take a hit of a joint and pass it around because I didn't want to get fired. Yeah, it's, it's man. A paycheck is a great silencer. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Joe would smoke a weed and in, uh, in front of the Fear Factor producers, and they, they he didn't give a shit. He would yeah. have a like pot lollipops and shit. Yeah, you guys. Keep going. I have to go because I have to get ready for my show tonight. Well, here, what, what time is it? It's 5.30. We've done about an hour and a half. You guys want to... We've yeah. an hour and a half? Yeah, we've Holy done an shit. hour and a half. Okay, we're good. I don't want you well, to... No, hang on. I want, I, want, I, want to talk, I want to talk about... I want to talk about your tour. Oh, Because I'm releasing okay. this tonight. Okay. So that you... Because you, you guys are going on tour this weekend. Um, we have a, three dates. We yeah. have our first show is Friday night at the Comedy Store, and then we have two dates coming up. And if they, they do well, they're gonna they're gonna let us do some tours. So. Well, I want it I want to make sure everyone it. comes out to see it. What what? So what's the show? Basically, it's a it's a comedy and conspiracy night. Live Nation wanted to put out a show. Eddie talked to them, and they want to do a tour of conspiracy comics talking conspiracies because the numbers more and more people come to us over time than buy into the. The, the propaganda bullshit. So more and more people are coming. You know, my tinfoil hat podcast. 
keeps getting better and better, bigger. It's bigger a great number. podcast. Oh, thank you, dude. It's a great podcast, and and I mean, Eddie, you know, you have to know you're probably everyone's foremost favorite conspiracy theorist. Oh shit! Like, what, see, I don't, I, I don't want, I don't want to be. I love when I saw I you talk about the flat Earth. I was like, I love to hear a fucking. I love to hear it. I like hearing different ideas than the ones I have. That's why I, I as love a that comic, too, dude. I don't understand people who don't like hearing new ideas. I follow uh, the fem- the feminist chick who challenged uh, uh, Norton online. I follow I follow people I don't normally wouldn't normally hang out with because I like hearing new ideas. And I just remember I don't know what it was, it was like right after that whole flat Earth thing went down on a on a on a fight companion. And watching everyone lose their mind and you holding, I was like dying. I love that shit. <laughs> people want to be right, you know, and people accuse me of just wanting to be right. And, and, uh, I, I believe in flat earth because, uh, I'm trying to be cool or something like that. And it, it's, uh, being a flat earther is definitely not cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's definitely not <laughs> Take a lot cool. of shit. Oh man. You know what I mean? That's so not cool. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, there's a lot of flat earth people in the closet. They're in the flat earth closet. Yeah. A lot of people come up to me. Uh, uh, people that I've had on my podcast that were super respected in their field off camera, they go, dude, it is fucking flat. But they don't want they don't want it to ruin what they got going. Because as soon as you say, uh, as soon as you say or question all the space information that's given to us by NASA, as soon as you start questioning that, yeah. people think you're a lunatic. So and then they NASA then it discredits, was by Nazis. It discredits it discredits your um, whatever you're an expert in. Like I you know I know some nine eleven experts. They know every fuck. 9-11 is the Game of Thrones on its own. Yeah. There's so much going, it's so deep. Like you, could have a, you could have a 12-hour documentary on all the evidence from 9-11, right? And then people spend so much time on that, they feel that if they start talking about Flat Earth, that it's going to discredit all their work. Same thing with uh, JFK guys and that assassination, yeah. that's huge. That's like 10 of Game of Thrones. Fuck. Dude, JFK, it's huge. That's how Trump There's wins so everything. If There's Trump so just shit. said, this is who, this is what information we have on JFK. Well, the JFK thing, this is the craziest thing. This is the craziest thing is they already, the, the House Intelligence Committee on Assassinations, I think I said that right. In 1978 or 79, they finally reopened the JFK case to see if it was a conspiracy or not, see if there was more people in Involved, and they said it's already done they said yes it was a conspiracy but then the media never talked about that ever so it's it, so the whole JFK thing you know if do you believe it was a, a lone uh, nut that shot JFK no. or was there a team of motherfuckers team. of course there was a whole they shit told them not people. to release oh, the papers do you know because they already some people it. are lied they're talking about one dude who Trump George Trump. Bush senior George oh for real he, he dude he, dude he was in Dallas dad, that day his dad Prescott Bush formed the CIA his dad his dad funded uh, Nazis funded worked Nazis directly with Union the Nazis. Bank Prescott Bush that dude was fucking Illuminati oh, to the gills just, and then his dad Prescott Bush's dad George senior's grandfather Samuel Bush was right was the right hand man of Frank Rockefeller. They were all balls deep in in back then in the at the turn of the nineteenth century. It was all about fucking who owned the railroads. There's evidence here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Die. The railroads were everything. Steel. You know that's when fucking Pittsburgh, Cleveland, the steel was whoever owned the uh, Rockefeller. He basically, um, you know, all the Rockefellers. I mean. They basically ran the states and then became uh, uh, 
they, they, they went under the Rothschild wings. Like the Rothschilds were, were controlling the, the Rockefellers and they got the Rockefellers from just being into oil and shit. They got them into international banking too. Yeah. So House of Saud. It's a super rich, not even rich. Rich is not the word. What, what black comedian was talking about? There's rich and then there's wealthy. Um, Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Yeah. yeah so the shows are, uh, we got this Friday, but I think it's sold out. It's gr- the, the belly room sold out? Yeah. And then we have uh, June 1st at Cobb's. Tickets are going pretty good. And then we have June 2nd. And, and San Francisco. June 1st, San Francisco at and Cobb's. And June 2nd Friday. at Punchline in Sacramento. Now, is it just you two? Are you guys bringing in local no, We got comments? a couple other guys. Ryan. We got a buddy Ryan of Davis. ours from Vegas that's in the conspiracies who's really funny. And then my co-host is going to be like just wrangling everything. So, so are you guys going to be on stage with mics or are you guys going to go do, up one at a time? Stand up one at a time and then we're going to do like a oh, podcast that's at gonna the end. fucking great. Q&A yeah. and all that stuff. I'm really excited about it, dude. And I it's, I, a, to, it's a Tower 7 and over show. <laughs> like, if you're not down with Tower 7, you won't be allowed in. You got, that, you got at least, at least. You got to look at Building 6. That's my whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Tower but, 7 and over show. Yeah, Tower 7's <laughs> bottom of the barrel conspiracy theory. Because at Flat Earth, I, could, I get it. It sounds nuts. I thought, when I first heard it, I thought it was the most ridiculous thing ever. I yeah. get it. When yeah. people get mad and pissed off, I was getting mad and pissed off when people bring up Flat Earth to me. I yeah. tell people, shut the fuck up with that shit. I, I felt like I lost soldiers when they come up to me and they told me, I go, I can't trust any fucking thing you say now. Flat fucking Earth. Are you kidding? You know, but <clears throat> so I understand that. You don't have to be in, into Flat Earth, but if you if you believe Tower 7 came down, collapsed at free fall speed because of some office fires, you need to go, uh, you, need to, you need to stay home and watch some CNN. <laughs> I love that. That's a great, are you using that on the flyers? You should. Tower we 7 got a, and over. We have a sign that says 21 and over. Those yeah. blacks, we got a sign that says Tower 7 and over. That's awesome. It's, I'm dying to know who's going to grab tickets and just go to a show and just show up and we're just doing fucking well, Don't we have a contest going on in San Francisco? Yeah. What's the contest? Whoever brings the most people, get uh, whoever wrangles the most people they get to come back and do a podcast with us and uh, oh, smoke a ton of weed great yeah well that's, that's a big room that's awesome. like 400 people so, it's a big room so if we sell if we sell out uh san francisco and sacramento june 1st june 2nd then live nation is gonna give put us on like a little mini tour maybe six dates yeah and then so we we got their support you know maybe they'll drop us because of the conspiracy theories <laughs> who knows <laughs> i want to get it out there though yeah. we're not you know we're not we're not um, out there protesting anything. We're not trying to get anybody arrested. Yeah. We're not trying to. I'm not trying to open up any minds at this at this show. You know, this is all. We're just making fun. We're making fun of conspiracy theories. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not trying to preach. We're just if if. Um, you know, uh, it's it's really easy to make fun of flat earthers. Oh my god, that's yeah. fucking easy. Oh my god. So, you know, we're not trying to open up any minds at all. We just want people with that have. Uh, open minds already to come to the show and just we'll just poke fun at each other you know i'm not trying to be a martyr i'm not trying to be martin luther king i ain't trying to be i'm not trying to be none of that man i'm not, i don't want a sitcom i don't want to be on tv I, I i just want to go up on stage every now and then and talk a little shit i swear the one thing i have to say is that when you i was with i was in the back i saw you go up at the store i think on probably sam's show and i was like i was sitting in the back i was like holy fuck 
Like he's fucking amazing. What? Like I didn't expect you. I didn't expect. I sucked. I, there. No, but I didn't expect. I didn't expect you to be able to do anything on stage. I was like, they're like, he hasn't been on stage in like twelve years, and you went up and you just fucking flowed. And someone's like, he teaches classes every day. He's very comfortable speaking in front of people. And I went, oh my god! Like I totally forgot. I was like, you did great. You did fantastic. And I was like, oh shit! Yeah, your stage you. presence huge. was fucking that's, phenomenal. That's huge coming. Well, for me, um, I did stand up a little bit. I, remember, it was all about the music. He's got to go, right? I, I, hey, what time am I going up tonight? Uh, you're going up about fourth after Dr. Ken before Joe Rogan. Okay, so Sick. second to last? No, 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 dude. Wait, who goes last? Uh, Ryan Sickler. Okay, all right, cool. So it's going to go you. like uh, the two, the five minutes both for the employees. Then um, Baron Vaughn, Dr. Ken, you. Okay, perfect. Beautiful. No, uh, uh, we'll we'll get it. We'll get it later. We'll, we'll screen grab it from here. No, 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 don't worry about it. I'll see. You. What time? What time? Sam, like eight, nine o'clock. Eight thirty. You probably go up around like nine fifteen-ish. All right, I'll see you at nine. All right, I love you too. So, uh, just just to finish what I was saying was, <clears throat> um, it was always about the music. Came to Hollywood to to do music. Um. I was always obsessed with comedy. I was the biggest com stand-up comedy fan. I would tape, I, I was, uh, it was all about the music, but my hobbies were taping comedy shows and taping fights. So I was always into fighting yeah. as a hobby and into comedy as a hobby. And then when I met Joe, he said, dude, you should, you should probably do some comedy, man. You know, you, you know how to tell stories. And I'm like, ah, I, you think, you think I could You're do really it? great on stage. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I think I suck, but um, I think we all think what ended suck. up happening was, I, went, I started doing some open mics at the comedy store and I realized, just like jiu-jitsu, I realized, damn, this this is it's just like jiu-jitsu. You gotta put a lot of work into, you gotta spend a lot yeah. of time. And at that point, I was thinking, shit, I'm trying to make it in music, I'm doing jiu-jitsu, do I have time to be a, a stand-up comedian? So then I decided, to step away from doing stand-up and just like write sketches with Joe. So I go, you know what? For, instead of trying to master getting on stage and being this comedian, because yeah. at that point I wasn't teaching jujitsu, so I had no speaking experience. When did no, you start? No public ex speaking experience. Only only strip club DJ experience, which doesn't help you be a stand-up comedian at all. No. But but um. So then I just you know I was just started writing sketches with Joe. Then we started doing the Man Show. Then I started writing for Comedy Central with the Man Show. Yeah. I was with Joe for a while. Terrible, horrible experience. Um, during while I was working at the comedy at the. At, at Comedy Central, um, during that nightmare experience, I went to Brazil and I beat Hoyler. That's when it all happened. So when I came back, I walked off the set of Man Show and I was like, fuck that, I'm gonna teach jujitsu. This I hated have dude, I hated working for Comedy Central. Couldn't really? fucking stand it. The situation I was in, that's an hour story. But anyways, so then I came back from Brazil and I just opened up 10th Planet and I'm like, I walked away from comedy. But I never stopped writing. I yeah. never stopped writing. So I thought one day I'm gonna go back on stage and then year and then I'd write some more and one day I'd, I never went back. So then, you know, uh, last year, it's like fifteen years later or something like that. I don't even know. Uh uh, uh something like that. I decided, you know what? I got all this material that I've been writing all these years. Let me see if some of it works. You know, maybe. Yeah. So um, I've been used to teaching, you know, uh, and every now and then I try to throw a little bit in and I'll tell a story. And sometimes it works in jujitsu, but that's the worst crowd because they don't want to hear stand up. They yeah. want to do jujitsu. They worked all day. They come to class. They don't want to hear me trying to do stand up in class. So I'm bombing like every night in jujitsu. <laughs> I'll tell a story in the middle of the story. I get some guys going, Coach, it's nine fifteen. Come on, man. We're trying to get. They start warming up, you know, before I command them to start warming up. Yeah. So I'm bombing every night, and they don't want to do jujitsu. Yeah. So I thought, is this? 
is this good enough training to try stand up again 15 years of teaching is that good is that going to translate to stand up uh because sometimes when i do seminars the the i travel to a city they want to hear five minutes yeah like i'll start off the seminar and i'll just they want to hear when i'm on the road but only five minutes and then um so when i decided to, to to try it again last year uh sam put me on one of his comedy chaos shows and i was like dude i didn't know what the fuck was gonna happen i just had a couple ideas i went out there and as soon as I, as soon as i grabbed the mic and i talked into the first thing i thought was like oh my god i got a mic they're drunk and they don't want to do jujitsu this is gonna be easy that's that's how i felt the first time i went up i'm like this is that was like trying to tell jokes in jujitsu class is like training for a training for a fight like dragging logs up hills you yeah. know what i mean yeah. doing some resistance training because man I, that's like the worst crowd ever dudes who want to do jujitsu and they don't want their instructor to be funny like a couple guys would laugh but they're just like you know some i would throw some good shit every now and then and they would not laugh and i'd have to go you know in jujitsu like is this thing on is this thing on i'd have to do uh, resort to that you know but once i found out that all 15 years of teaching and doing public speaking did translate because that's what i was missing when i first started doing uh, stand up i didn't have the public speaking experience i wasn't comfortable talking in front of people oh, so really yeah I, I didn't i didn't do that well i mean i out of like you know i went up like 10 times back like in 2001 um maybe three times i did all right but most of the time i bombed i mean i would really? I, I bomb yeah I, you know i didn't do great i wasn't never killing any you know i just didn't i i needed more experience i knew that i could get to a point where i'd be okay and kind of just like manage and blend in you yeah. know what i mean because uh, a lot of comedians most comedians you know you know uh, you know, being around Joe so much, I'm very picky when when it comes to com comedy shows that yeah. I like. When I go to Netflix, I'll I'll watch them one minute and I'll fucking stop that motherfucker right. Boom. Yeah. Most like eighty percent of them Netflix specials. Boom. I'll stop that shit. I won't listen to it. I, I hung out with Joe too much. I'm I'm used to high level being around like you know listening to Joe and then Dave Chappelle would come and do a, a spot at the at the in the main room it's hard to enjoy mediocre comedy after yeah that. yeah I've been around like and then hearing Joey so much it's like oh, yeah. you can't come with some weak ass you know comic view type shit that doesn't yeah. do it for me no more you know so um, you know, you know, I'm talking. I suck still. You know what I mean? No. You know, but uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just not trying. Like I said, I'm not trying to get a, s a sitcom. I'm not even trying to be like this guy that goes on the road and, and is successful. I'm, I, I really don't even have time for that. Yeah. I don't have time to be a like a success like what, what Brendan Schaub is doing. Yeah. Fuck, he's killing. Yeah. That motherfucker is killing. Oh, that might yeah. be the fastest rising comedian of all time. Like going from nothing to being a fighter to being a comedian. That motherfucker's on a meteoric rise. Yeah. You know, uh, that's a lot of time. Like I, I got, he's, I got he's a, putting a lot. Of I got a hundred schools up. under me. You know what I mean? Do you I really? Got, yeah, I got, I got a son and a, and a wife, and I'm trying to spend time with them. So um, the way I approach comedy is like. I just do the gigs that come up. If they come up, I'll do them. But I'm not. I'm not doing um, uh, what um, uh, real comedians do. Real comedians go out several times a night or a week. Yeah. And go out there and grind. 
man, I don't have time to grind. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, you know, there's I'm a like, comedian there's like, and I don't have time to grind. Yeah, there's, there's paid comedians, you know, the, the high level ones. And then there's the open micers. I'm like a step below an open micer. You know what I mean? I Cause open micers, that. open micers are doing a working way more than I am. I just do a couple shows here and there. Tinfoil hat comedy night. I could do that. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, feel, I feel really good in front of Mexican crowds. I feel like, like I can do, cause I grew up Mexican and, and, and I have a bunch of Mexican stories. So when I, I I've opened for Joey Diaz, uh, four times, five, four times, five times. And, um, it's, it's an honor, man, like to have open for that motherfucker. And he just brings all the Mexicans. Oh yeah. And I feel like when they're, when it's just a room full of Mexicans, I feel like this is going to be easy. I really do. Yeah. But if it's a room, like a random night, like on a Tuesday night at the comedy store where it's a mixture, you got like Hillary fans here, just a mixture. Ooh, that's a hard crowd. Damn. That's a hard, like for me, I'm, I need to, I need to specialize. That's why we decided to do a uh, tinfoil uh, hat comedy night. Cause he, he was already doing the tin for hat podcast yeah. which i love and i love the fact that it's it doesn't sound threatening it's tinfoil hat we're just fucking around talking yeah. about crazy shit smoking weed that's it's what it different. sounds like it's not it's, it's not, not threatening it was and it's something that it's like it's a different thing than what you're going to get like then you know what you're going in to get and it's something that no one else is doing and it is fun and it's and oddly enough it's part of like the the cultural lexicon these days is that you know joe's podcast is inarguably the biggest podcast in the world Fuck and yeah. and it's and it's a topic of conversation once a week once yeah. a week you hear something about conspiracies and everyone's got a hint about them everyone has their own conspiracies <laughs> you know people come up to me fucking all the time I everywhere i go and they go dude i love your podcast i go which one uh my podcast no the joe rogan experience it's always yeah. from joe rogan no one's ever seen my podcast dude everyone no goes even... <laughs> everyone goes to me where they go oh dude i love your podcast i never miss one and i go yeah and they're like and you do your own one too and i go wait which one are you and they're like when you're on Joe Rogan that's yes. the best I'm like all the time yeah. I'm it's like a, oh thank that you that podcast is so goddamn big holy fucking shit you dude know? I, I mean this fucking runner I have this uh, this treadmill it's a fan sent it to me that's crazy yeah it's a fucking $5,000 treadmill that's crazy I heard I was talking about treadmills on the thing hit me up and he was like hey man I don't work for the company but I know a guy who does oh you were talking it's, about tread, treadmills on Jerry yeah I was oh, talking nice. they were making fun of me saying I couldn't run a, a, a marathon because the <laughs> treadmill wasn't real running and yeah. so I ran the LA marathon, no training. Yeah. Five hours, 33 minutes, bam, yeah. killed it. Um, a lot of, uh, I would say, um, there, I, I would say tinfoil hat comedy is, a lot of comedians have some of that. I would say it's kind of like Cat Williams comes out and he's kind of doing conspiracy theory comedy yeah. sometimes, you know what I oh, mean? Cat Williams is definitely a conspiracy theorist. Totally, right? It would be fun to see comics go out like see Chappelle and Cat Williams and you know Chappelle's got conspiracies he thought the black Illuminati was coming they were, that's one of the biggest conspiracies of out course. there is that they came into him in the middle of the night Bill Cosby and Oprah and said we're gonna kill you if you don't start doing what the you know what we need you to do I mean he took off he's one of the biggest conspiracies out there yeah and he's he that uh, show he did at the belly room that he put on Netflix. Yeah. At the very end, at the very end, he basically explains what happened to him. Yeah. That, he, Cause he tells, uh, he, he threw another story. He told a story of a pimp and a hooker and how, how the, the, the hooker wanted out. And he, he knew that uh, ultimately hookers want out. They found, you know, they have some crazy idea. They're going to change their life and everything. So what he does is this pimp, 
Um, he says, okay, one more job and you're out. You could, she's like, I want to join the circus. And goes, okay, you want to do the circus? Okay, just one more job for me and you're out. There's a guy across the street, you know, uh, go do him up and then give him, give him this pill. Or the, he gave, she gave him a, or he oh, gave her a bottle shot. of pills or something. And then she went to the room, had sex with them, gave him some pills. He passes out and she thinks, oh shit, he might be dead, right? Um, because he said he's going to pass out and he's got a suitcase of money under the bed. Take that shit and then you're gone. Just let's just do one job. And, and uh, she goes back to the pimp. She goes, oh my God, I think he's fucking dead. And he's like, no way. She's, no way. How many pills did you give him? She goes, I gave him all. You said, oh, like, I didn't tell you to give him all the pills. Holy shit. So he grabs her, takes her back to the room. He calls some people, has the body disposed of, takes care of it. Then he says, you know what? You got to stay with me for six more months. You know what I mean? And, and she goes, okay, okay, okay. Because, you know, you fucked up. I'll cover for you. I'll cover you, but you fucking killed him. I'm going to cover for you, but you're going to stay with me six months. So the guy was never dead. It was a trick. Yeah. You know, so he, and then after he tells that story in the belly room, he says, that's what happened to me. That's why I went to Africa. Thank you. Good night. And he walked off the stage. So through that hooker story, he's telling you that something similar like that happened to him. He would, he would be a really interesting guy to hear talk about conspiracies. Holy shit. Dude, that no one's ever, no one's done what Chappelle's done. I mean, it just, no. just, just with his stand-up, he's arguably he could easily be uh, the best stand-up of all time. He, he's up, he's in the conversation. He's, he's, he could he, easily be the number one guy. He's, he's like, he's up there. He's, he's. I, I could say, he's written my favorite joke that's ever been written. The kicker and the pussy one. Yes, yeah, that's, great. One, that's one of my yeah, favorite jokes yeah. ever. That's, that's great. One. And I just like a great joke. I like uh, the one where uh, he talks about. Um, he says they say uh, someone fucked a monkey, and that's how we got AIDS. We got AIDS through a monkey. He goes, you know how strong a monkey is. You know how hard it'd be to fuck a monkey. He just rip your fucking dick off and throw it into the tall grass, never to be seen again. I love that one. But um, arguably, he's the best comedian ever. Yeah. And he had the best sketch show ever. Yeah. Who can fuck with Chappelle when it comes to sketches? Remember the blind, uh, blind racist, racist guy? Yeah. You can't top that sketch. That went on for 10 minutes, and it was just just bomb after bomb. Boom, boom, boom. He was just Dude, destroyed. Charlie Murphy. Yeah. Charlie Murphy is the best, was the best storyteller yes. ever. Yes. And he, and he did it differently. He didn't do it like in this sing-songy. He did it his way. Yeah. And they were flat, but they fucking killed. Yes. They were, have you ever, have you ever heard the story about Charlie Murphy borrowing his brother's jacket? No. Oh my Eddie God. Murphy? Eddie, so he goes, they go, he goes, I get out of the Navy and I go out to LA and Eddie's like, yo, we're going out to planet or to, to fucking club, club LAX or whatever, you know? And so he's like, all I got's Navy equipment, Navy gear. So they say to me, they're like, and he's like, yo, why don't you like put Navy gear? Like, like Navy, like he was just in the Navy, all his Navy stuff. Oh, uniform. Charlie Murphy. Yeah. Okay. So Eddie's like, why don't you wear this jacket out? So he gives him a blue bus boy jacket. Like the boys are back in town with oh, the, shit. with the, with the, but it's all bedazzled and sparkly and blue and white and stripes. And he goes, no shirt, chains on, bus boy jacket. They walk in. Everyone's like walk, watching them walk in, like, yo, that's Eddie Murphy. Yo, that's Eddie Murphy. And it's like, yo, who's that with him? And he's like, I think that's his brother. And they're like, what's he doing? He's like, I think he's a magician. <laughs> I love that. But this, that story is so great because it's got the payoff. It's like, it's just such a great, I think yeah. he was the best, man. I think yeah. he was one of the. Those sketches were crazy. And he also is the only only comedic star to walk away from fame he walked the fuck away from all that oh. shit that's a special he changed right the there. game he changed the game i think 
I, I wouldn't say him and Joe both just kind of said, I just want to do comedy. Yeah. That's, exactly. that's, you know how rare that is? Exactly. Usually people get into comedy to try to get sitcoms or something. They just said, I ju I'll just do comedy, thank you, and yeah. make millions going, yeah. I'll just do the thing I like to do yeah. that I know that I like to do and that I'm really good at. Yeah. And As you, opposed it, to like it, Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg would be like, it would be like saying to a waiter, do you want to cook? And he's like, I'm just a waiter. He's like, yeah, but if you're a waiter, you should cook too. No, but I just like being a waiter. Yeah. Like it's, it's bizarre that you can be good at stand up and they'll be like, oh, you should do other shit. Yeah. Yeah. The best to stand up really, you know, um, uh, I'll never be as good as the greats or anything like that, but I, I like envy that about them where they, none can, of us will where be they as could, good as they them. could, they could grab a mic, no sound check or anything. Just walk on stage and get paid thousands of dollars for making people laugh. Yeah. And when people laugh, that like makes you feel really good. It's like a symbiotic thing. Them laugh, you telling jokes makes them have a good time and then the way they express it makes you have a good time. So just back and forth, just you're just hooking each other up and you both yeah. feel great. You know, um, it's magical. You know, I grew up making music and you know, sound checks and lugging your equipment. It's a fucking pain in the ass and after the gig's done and you had a shitty sound, now you gotta babysit your equipment. And it's like, I always looked at like when, you know, I've seen Joe maybe 2,000 times. I'm like, man, this motherfucker, he don't need shit. He don't need to tune no. his guitar. He don't need shit. He just walks up on stage, grab a fucking mic anywhere, and he's going to crush. And he's, there's going to be the same entertainment value as, you know, the, the best comedic movie ever. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You know, a good stand-up show where you, you're getting like an average of, you know, a big laugh every few minutes. That's way better than a movie. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just oh, a oh, it's, and it's And it's so much, oh, my daughter just, got thrown in the pool it's, it's so much better than like even with a movie the production value versus like all the money they put in into it yeah. to make a 90 minute movie and you got and, two laughs out of it and then you get Bill Burr or Rogan or Chappelle sitting up there for not, for 60 minutes and the laugh per minute is through the fucking roof yes. that's it's, insane there's no comparison it's, it, there's no comparison and in a weird way you go I can't believe the other exists exactly. I can't believe they'd roll the dice and put 22 million dollars into a 60 minute movie when you know this guy can do it yeah. for fucking way, 20 bucks a ticket I'd way rather see high level comedy than a movie any day Fuck. any yes. day high level shit for sure movies 99% of them suck yeah. a good movie to me is a movie where I laughed hard uh, three times I go if I laugh three times that's a pretty good movie just cause most movies don't, they don't get any laughs from Deadpool me Deadpool 2 did you see it yeah that was pretty good did you when yeah. they did the skydiving <laughs> oh dude I was dying dude, that, was, that was awesome I was dying yeah. fucking you know laughing. what I wonder if Ryan Reynolds writes most of his shit do they let him just go off or does someone write all that for him? I don't know. I Because it seems like it seems so personal. It like seems that, really like, like that's his style. Like yeah. he could just talk shit on anybody. You yeah. Know? He's really great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie killed me. Yeah. I, I, I rarely go to the movies and I saw that by myself. Uh, my wife was uh, hanging out with the in-laws. She took my son. I didn't have shit to do all day. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to fucking Arclight and go see something. I'm like, ah, I like, I like, I don't like superhero movies, but yeah. Deadpool is like an anti-superhero movie. Oh, it's fucking it's great. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was awesome, man. Well, I'm going to let you go, man. I, I know you, well, thank you, you. I appreciate you doing this. Hey, I, dude, could I can anytime, talk to you man. anytime. Anytime. Man. I'll, I'll hit you up. I'll get, I think I got your number. I came this yeah, close to taking, ju taking jujitsu classes. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and what ended up happening? Uh, you had, you had a black eye that day, 
and you were like, and I went, well, how'd you get a black eye? And you're like, I don't, do I have one? And I was like, yeah. And you're like, oh, from just training, just rolling. Yeah. And I went, bumped. Oh, I'm on TV. I can't get a black eye. Like, you can I put can't. makeup on it. And I was like, I was like, I can't just show up with a black Joe eye. Joe did Fear Factor with some black eyes. Yeah. I yeah. Know. They didn't care. They put makeup on it, but you could still tell. I still wanted, I would love to do jujitsu, but I just, I, the base for me to get to where I think it would be enjoyable, all the stuff I'd have to learn. No, is probably, I it doesn't work like that. You, you have fun right away. Yeah. You have fun right away, man. I so badly. It's the art of putting human beings to sleep. It's the art of killing people uh, who are good at killing people. Yeah, Jiu-Jitsu isn't about killing just regular people like 99.999% of the population. That's too easy. You could learn that shit in two months. Yeah. Our game is how you kill people who, who are experts at killing people who are experts at killing people. That's what we're good at. So it's not about killing regular people is easy. That's like... <laughs> You know what I mean? After you do it for a few years, it's like it's you don't even even if a guy's athletic and he comes on his first day, it's just not it's it's not fun. Right? Yeah. Um, so that's what makes it fascinating is that we're practicing killing people who are really good at it. You know, that's so, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I'll hit you up and I'll do dude, I'll take a class. Children and try do to, it. You know what I mean? I, I wanted to. Get, I always wanted to get my daughters into it. Burbank, right here, man. That's yeah, you, I, know. I teach downtown LA. I teach yeah. downtown LA. That's my main school. That's headquarters. But um, we got one in Burbank, uh, right here, right next to you. you should, yeah, you, I, a great group of guys there. Okay, well, I'll hit you up. All right, I appreciate you doing this, man. Thank, Thank you, you man. so much. Thank you very much. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.